Gua sobrok. Ai. <laughs> There's not a rule that you have to use the two subs. He's he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. Hello, everybody. Been a while, but we're back. It's the third sub podcast. Welcome, everyone. Episode 106 of the third sub podcast presented by Macy Sports. It's been a while, but we're finally back in business for some more podcasts. For those of you who followed our live shows, thanks. We're going to keep doing them, but it's been a busy, busy, busy week or a busy month, really. Sorry, week international break we we took i guess the international break from podcasting but most definitely not from live shows but uh we've got a lot to talk about as a result so before we do all of that i'm your co-host alexander gunga music joined as always by samuel rowan and i mean sam it's been a while how are we doing ahead of this uh you know back back on the white caps grind for for a month or two before the canada stuff starts right back up again yeah it feels good i guess to be a little bit back in a normal rhythm albeit you know it's still thick of summer so so things always feel a little bit different and you know if if our listeners out there have only been following in podcast form first of all check out the live shows but second of all it's good to have you back and and nice to be back in this longer format again you know the the pregame shows can be a bit chaotic we're we're looking at lineups we're looking at players we're throwing graphics up this is a little more contemplative and we can you know take some time to think about things and have kind of drawn out discussions so that's always fun obviously vancouver whitecaps sign signing ryan gold um big move the the move that's been 10 years in the making for that number 10 and uh, we got to see him today you know with mark DeSantos and axel schuster this is the night after the press conference on tuesday we're recording and uh it's exciting times, you know, it's maybe going to take them a little while here to get in a white cap shirt. Mike DeSantos loves to play a bit of 4T chess in terms of when Ryan's actually going to hit the pitch. You never know. It could be this weekend. It could be three weeks from now. We're just going to have to see, but that's exciting. We're going to talk about the last couple matches, big picture stuff for the white caps returning to BC place, as well as just our general musings over the last couple matches. So it's a, it's a good kicking off point here and a, a major moment for the club today that uh, I think we're going to remember for a long time and ho- hopefully a successful move as well for both the player and the club. Yeah, well, I mean, before we dive into anything, I must preface, it feels today really like a return to normal, at least for the Whitecaps. I mean, Mark DeSantos kind of hinted at it in his press conference. He finally has a full squad to train with and not just full squad as in everyone available to him, but... He has a full squad and a number ten for the first time in his in his hit you know tenure Al- as a manager. Cava, Max is back. Bruno seems Bruno's to be training. back at relatively full health. Obviously, with Adnan gone, you don't have to worry about that cropping up some point. I wonder if he's going to be. It's too bad, really, as they return to Canada that he's gone because he theoretically could have played at least in the home games. But that's a whole other story for a whole other time. But even yeah, just after two chaotic international months really with june and the the whole quadruple match day window for for national teams obviously canada uh took a few white caps players and then they finally returned after that month off 
played a game and then the gold cup started right you know ripping out a good you know three four five games without canada well white caps best players because canada actually decided to to have a good run this year and make it to the semi-finals and fear not because i know some of you are out there we will do a more Canada-centered podcast on both, not only the Gold Cup, but the fantastic Olympics run that is going on. I was going to say, hopefully after a gold medal for the oh, women's what national what a podcast team. that would be. I mean, semifinals for the men's in the Gold Cup, uh, finals for the women. What a summer it's shaping up to be. But, you know, uh, returning to the men's side, since it effect- directly affects the Whitecaps, it, ma- it made for a very chaotic month of lots of games here and there, missing players, uh, just all sorts of chaos from uh, from our perspective, trying to keep up with pretty much games every two days. So for us, it's nice to be back in podcast form because that means things are slowing down. It feels a bit normal again. I mean, we both went to the UBC today uh, as recording. We're going to go to training tomorrow and we'll, we'll probably add in a little segment after maybe describing some of what we saw because there's certainly it's Ryan Gold's first training session bruno gaspar is fully back there's going to be a lot to talk about and we said if anything interesting happens we'll do a segment something interesting is going to happen i already can can say that so it's just nice to yeah have a bit of a return to normal i mean heck you look at the calendar it's starting to come up two weeks and a half from now the whitecaps will play a home game at bc place three weeks from now the whitecaps are going to play canadian championship game like man there's so much good stuff coming so you know what sam let's just dive into it enough of all the 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 reminiscing and all the the good stuff that's about to come let's dive into what we've got on the table for us well i mean yeah we gotta we gotta touch in depth on the signing of ryan gold and 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 what it means for the caps and just it was not, you know, his formal first training session, but I was there on Monday. It was a, a light session without the starters from the match on the weekend. But nonetheless, Ryan was involved and, you know, still getting back up to fitness. But you could already see that final pass, that comfort on the ball, that ability to drop in between lines. And, uh, you know, it's something that's been missed for the Cavs for so long. And even you look back at that Minnesota match and a lot of the same issues cropping up. Yes, they've they've had a better stretch of matches, but still uh, that off-ball movement that we've talked about so much, the, the stagnant nature of their play at times, I think Ryan can do a lot just to be that instigator. We saw Reynoso on the other side of the pitch. You know, he makes that critical pass that leads to a goal and... Well, the Whitecaps have been able to do that in spots and, you know, kind of spread that duty around. It's never been consistent enough to have prolonged success. You know, you still want a guy like Christian Dahomey to pop up as an assist guy from time to time. You want Michael Baldissimo, Yanio Bakel to get involved offensively, but you need someone consistent that can do that all the time and then have Bakel, have Baldi have Dahomey as complementary creative pieces. I think that's the big thing, right? You're trying to, and Mark DeSantos has talked about this a lot, you want to fit everyone into the spot they're right for. If you're, we can go to your analogy, Alex, you know, the, the, the pegs and the holes and the wrong shapes and all that. Now with Ryan God, you have someone who's perfectly fit for his role and it allows everyone else on the pitch to also play their role. So so not only does it make this team better because you're adding a, a designated player and, you know, presumptively at least a top half number 10 in MLS. I mean, I, I don't want to go too aggressive on the predictions, but, you know, at the very least, he's the league average at number 10 and, 
you know, ideally you hope that he gets up there near the top, but even beyond that, it just, we even saw when Kyle came into the squad for a bit there, the effect he had on some of the other midfielders, that they, they could do more because there was less pressure on one individual. I think this same thing applies to even a greater extent. So that's, that's kind of a lame answer. It's kind of similar to what Mark DeSantos said today about him not being the guy. He's one of many important pieces on the team. And while that's a lot of coach speak, I, I also think there's a lot of value to it. Yeah, I mean, a lot's unpacked there. But I mean, first of all, if you're looking at this Whitecaps roster, at least on, on paper, you have to start drooling with... Some of the, you know, the ideas is to start, uh, you know, just a guy like, yeah, just uh, even before I go into how the, the pieces of the puzzle might align, I'm just thinking, yeah, you got Dahomey, man, you got Kyle Alexandre, you got Tiber Caicedo starting to look like a, you know, a real good pickup. Christian Gutierrez and Javane Brown playing like two top fullbacks in MLS. Um, you know, you got Daniel Bacal, Michael Baldissimo. You got Lucas Cavallini, who you almost forget about at times. He's barely played for the Whitecaps this year. I mean, as Mark joked, he, he before the year, he's like, oh, Cav is going to play more games for Canada than the Whitecaps. You know, with the suspensions and everything, it's actually starting to become true. It really just shows there's a lot to be, you know, to be excited about. And we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that in, in a bit. But uh, in just terms of what Gold brings to the table, it's, it's just exciting because the Whitecaps have needed it. I think, you know, of what Caleb Wilkins said before the year, shout out to, to always the faithful Caleb, who I know is probably listening to this, but I think of that, that, that one, I didn't really understand the, the tweet, but it, it just, it made sense to me at the same time is the whole Pacific Rim robot thing. I didn't watch Pacific Rim, so I have no it's idea what Iconic reference. Absolutely iconic reference. But how like they, the Whitecaps have built a fantastic robot, but like it's akin to not having a pilot to drive the robot. And I think of that quite more than I maybe should, but especially now with, with the gold signing, it finally feels like they've got that pilot, you know, it feels like you've got a plane full of passengers you know your destination you, you've got everything set up you got your you know your flight attendants you've, you've loaded all the, the the bags into the compartments but you just needed the captain well the captain is finally here he's strapped in and he's ready to go and it's just it's going to be nice to see how those pieces co you know co-interact to kind of return to what i said starting from the the back you got a guy like eric Godoy, who yes who's struggled as of late as what we'll mention maybe just one or two games you know it, it happens and you know, shout out to Eric Godoy at the conference today on a day off. He was in the back background working out. So clearly it's getting to him as, as well. And he wants to be better. But on paper, one of the best progressive defenders in the league in terms of ball progression for the last few years. You go to Javane Brown at right back. He's been quietly one of the best progressive right backs. You got Bruno Gaspar, we haven't seen much of, but he looks like a progressive uh, right back Christian Gutierrez as well has been very progressive with the ball so you know the white caps have the ability to get the ball from their defenders up and then you look at the midfield Michael Baldissimo is a progressive machine I mean statistically I think he blows every white cap out of the water in terms of ball progression and then that's impressive because you got a guy like Kyle Alexander who's also really good at, at progressing the ball you got Janio Bikel up front you got Christian Dahomey playing as I'll talk about in a bit MLS all-star levels, really. There's no other way to, to, to put it. Diber Kaiser who's starting to figure out how to, to put some end product. You've got Lucas Cavallini, who's barely hit his stride and could be a 10 to 15 goal scorer. Now that he's got his number 10, it, just, it, it all fits together for Eingold because not only is he going to be able to get the ball from the back, as I mentioned, from all these ball progressor, but then you look up and you've got targets. you got a guy like Cavallini who's just 
itching to get on the end of some some half decent service and not have to chase down the ball all game and try to you know pick up yellow cards and frustration from trying to tackle anything that's not wearing white or or blue whatever depending on the white caps are wearing you've got a guy like Dahomey who just I mean if, if Dahomey has somehow scored eight goals and you know what like only three of them have been penalties without a number 10 I don't want to want to imagine what he's going to do when he actually has a guy feeding him on a, on a designated basis and then lastly he's ditto with a guy like Kaiseido who again is just so he just gets into such dangerous areas on his own and just to imagine God's putting in sliding in there and, and giving the service I can't help but think of Caleb's metaphor from the beginning yeah I think that that's it's the the possibilities are always tantalizing right but I try to draw myself back to the way we talked preseason about, you know, Ali Adnan and Bruno Gaspar and the, the fullback centric approach and how that didn't pan out. So there's this part of me that always has to be suspicious and that, you know, I'm looking for what's going to go wrong, you know, which part of the robots going to malfunction to, to collapse this whole thing. Right. But it, on the surface, absolutely. It does. It does look very hopeful. And, uh, yeah, I think it just allows a lot of guys to be freer in their roles. You know, Lucas Cavallini doesn't have to come back to the halfway line to try to help and build up play. You know, he can he can roam the spaces he's used to roaming. And, and shout out to him because that training session Monday, it was casual, but Cava looked fresh, Cava looked ready to go. I saw some great passing from him even, which, you know, Maybe not what you're expecting, but when he's got his back to goal and kind of, you know, gets in those spaces like where he's got a defender on his back, he is quite comfortable. So it'd be great to see more of that, especially if Ryan's going to run in between lines. I I think the way those two could interact is really exciting. And then, you know, I think teams up until this point in the season, Daber Caicedo and Christian Dahomey, they kind of go, if we can shut those guys down, that's the Whitecaps dealt with for the most part. That's not going to be the case anymore. So I think, it, you know, Dahomey's already, as you said, if not on MLS All-Star pace, very, very close. Daber Caicedo, I think, quietly has been playing just as well. He just doesn't have the, you know, the counting stats to back it up yet. But I think Daber's a guy that actually could be just primed for a breakout with a little more room to roam and a, and a little added confidence with another creative player there. So I'm, I'm excited for what he can bring as well. Yeah. And I just mean to talk about day bear heading at the ha- one game away from the halfway standpoint, he does have three goals and two assists. I mean, and that feels like it feels like a disappointing performance. Just like counting stats six, wise. Yeah. Six goals, four assists, but even just to be, you know, you, you obviously do the it's the beautiful thing about being near the halfway point is it's so easy to just put what, you know, Times calculate two, what guys baby. are on pace. So, you know, six goals, six and a half goals, four or five assists. You'd take that's that for a, year one, I think. That's not a bad outfit. You feel like you can see that he's close to like an eight, nine goal, six, seven assists. It's not like you're pulling it out of thin air with, with numbers saying like, Oh, if he did this and that, no, you see him get the chances. And, and it's all about just working on his finishing, working on his decision-making. Cause I think of moments where early in the season, there was one, I think I want to say the Colorado game where he got that ball after that turnover and he cut in and he cut in and he waited and he just, he missed his shot. You probably remember which one Yarbrough. I think William Yarbrough made a very nice save. And I think that Houston game, similar turnover, he makes the same move and he buries it home. Like that sort of decision-making, it's only going to get better with with time. And I I think Diver Caicedo's 
shown that, that you sh- as the season's gone along. You, we've seen less and less of those, you know, sort of decisions. I think that that goal against LAFC, a, a game, I guess, a back now where he just did so well to get the ball, calmly look up, make, you know, finish. And I think his end product's going to come. So, yeah, for, for Gold, it's going to be nice for him to to have targets. The Whitecaps, you can, you can question the model in terms of would they have probably been better off making you know the a, a number 10 their first signing and then you know in in, in an ideal world if, if you play a number 10 like say gold heck if you want to you know use a safer option you put Pozuelo, you put hill you put one of those guys yes you could get away with running a front three of cameron habibula theo baron ryan Raposo, and they'd all probably you know bag a bunch of goals so we could have we can definitely have the discussion did the white caps maybe you know, build the roster a bit weird by getting in the finisher and Cavallini and, you know, getting in all the pieces and then getting your number 10 at the end. I think absolutely. But, you know, I, again, I think of Seattle signing Ladero and then Rui Diaz. How good did that pay off for them? It paid off in spades. You know, New England getting healed and getting Boo. I could do both. Sorry, I could do that example all day. So we could question certainly the process. But at the same time, it is nice to, to see Gold and have the pieces to come into. But uh, it's going to be, I guess, all about adjusting. But to, to kind of talk about that Gaspar Adnan comparison, at least the, the good thing about Gold's arrival is that we have actual tangible things to analyze and be like, okay, if this happens, at least it's happening. It's not like, okay, it's not contingent, contingent on this or that. It's just contingent on what's continuing now happen gold being what he was last year it feels like a safe bet but i guess in white caps lens there's no safe bets and i mean kind of on that note before we go into it just hearing some of the you know the the, the story of how this transfer went around you know went about and all some of all the drama i mean are the white caps maybe fortunate that this deal ended up going through or was it maybe you know a bit a bit further away from collapse as it inevitably seemed based on what they, they they've talked about on the press conference and obviously in jj adams's great story you did over the weekend explaining the the anatomy of the deal sam i mean i would i would treat it as a more harrowing tale if we didn't hear this for almost every major transfer that goes down like there's always a hitch. There's always, you know, either an agent or someone with the club in Europe or wherever you're you're dealing with who thinks there's some clause in the contract, puts up a stink. Like th- these things do happen, um, and it seems to happen regularly. And so, I mean, there's there's always these challenges along the way. But I think the the key takeaway for me from today's conference, but even before that, was the negotiations between. Ryan and his agent and the Vancouver Whitecaps were very simple, right? Like the, the player clearly for whatever reason, and you can, you know, if you're a Scotsman digging into this podcast for the first time and you're hearing this, you're maybe wondering why would he lack ambition and go to MLS and go to Vancouver? Cause there's, I, I trolled Reddit today for like 45 minutes and there was a lot of oh, that out there. That is. There's a lot of that out there, right? You know, Oh, he clearly values the money more than he does the level of his football. And and, and there, there's going to be that, and, and Ryan's definitely going to have to face that, especially if he goes back and plays for the national team at some point. He's going to have to overcome it. But it's very clear to me that this was a project he bought into from the beginning. And I think maybe he saw the benefit you know, down in, in the lower league in Portugal first and then having gained promotion of being a central guy in the squad, being a focal point, and that 
you know, for whatever reason, when he made that initial move to Portugal, it just, it never happened. And he, he couldn't fit in as a squad player. And I think a lot of the moves he was getting from Braga or whoever else was a squad player role. And he was worried about being in that same blender again, where maybe you fall out of favor with the coaching staff. And next thing you know, you're not getting playing time. And then you're 27 or 28. And now teams aren't willing to take a shot on you as a key player anymore because you're kind of over in the hill in their eyes. So I understand. I think he wanted to kind of upgrade his current situation in Portugal with a a better club with more visibility that he could kind of move forward with. And if, and if he didn't feel like that was available in Portugal, he didn't feel like that was available in Europe. This is a league with, you know, no, regardless of what people say on Reddit, on Twitter, good visibility in Europe at this point, you can get called up to national teams in scouting circles. It's respected enough. So I think for him, it, if he's happy living in this, this, this city, if he's happy with the management, if he thinks the role is right, then it's a good move, and it's it could be the perfect move for him. Now, I, I don't know about the Scottish national team. Sounds like he hasn't had a ton of discussion with Steve Clark. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I hope for him, and Alex, I was saying it to you pre-show, that this, you know, it might not go all the way to dispelling some of the MLS propaganda in the UK, but I hope that if Ryan can come in and have success and have a couple really good years, that he's able to go play for the national team and really really show out but yeah I mean these deals are always a little harrowing to get across the line but I think if the player wants the move and is is intent on making it happen and and the club that's receiving him is intent on making it happen usually they find a way and it it sounds like Vancouver kind of uh, I know there's like a trailer park gif out there that people are using you know I'll give you so much to f off and that that kind of seemed like the situation there where the Whitecaps said okay you know we see what you're doing. All right, let's make a deal here. Let's get this done. Yeah, well, poor on my part for not giving a little context for throwing it to you there. For those who are somehow unaware of what happened between Ferenczi and Whitecaps, obviously Ryan Gold heading into this year. Don't know if he had a contract or not, but basically he was on a team that got relegated in Europe. Some teams have relegation clauses, some don't. Personally, from what I know of Ferenze, this was their first year back in the Portuguese league in 20 years. I would imagine Gold yeah. would have a, a relegation clause. Like, yes, would you seem play for, prudent for sure. If you play for Real Madrid or you know a Sporting, I could be you could be excused for not having a relegation clause. But I'd like to imagine playing for a newly promoted team. He would. Uh, he they got relegated by three points on the last day him and his representatives seemed to think that they, they had an option that l- allowed him to be a free agent. Ferenczi is like, no, you are a player. We need you. We want you to get back up in the first division. Cause he, I mean, understandably so. And I mean, he did that the year before he's the one he won the second division player of the year. He got them up and then he was one of the best players in the first division, despite them getting relegated. So what happens is, okay. You know, his agents are already negotiating a transfer out because they think they're a free agent. You know, some of the clubs, I think, shout out to JJ Adams again for getting all this info. I think some of the clubs that stood out to me were, uh, I've heard these, some for Sheffield United in the championship, Brighton in the Premier League, Southampton in the Premier League, um, Braga in, in, in Portugal. Some big clubs. I mean, even <laughs> I saw Inter Miami in MLS, but that's a whole other story. But, you know, there's some big clubs after him, understandably so. He thinks he's a free agent. You can create a bidding war, offer me a salary, you know, offer me a spot in your team. 
And then on the other side, France is like, well, no, you're our player. So the Whitecaps had reached out first. They wanted him. Nothing new. I mean, heck, they reached out to Ottavio first. We, we, you know, we all know what happened there. That ended up just being agent posturing because he was a free agent, but his goal was always to renegotiate a contract. Whereas Gold, he actually he liked the interest. He's like, oh, shoot. The white caps are into me. They offered me, you know, a good salary. I can play. I can be the, you know, I can be a, the the main guy there. It all just kind of lined up, and they wanted to make a move. Okay, you got two dance partners. They want to tango, and then France is like, well, uh, you're actually uh, not a free agent. And then white caps are like, okay, get, take any money off of us, because I mean, heck, if you're willing to pay five to ten million for Tavio, they're probably willing to pay as much for Gold. But luckily. The, the reported fee, 400,000 US. So I think it was 310 euros, which uh, 310,000 euros, which converted to 400,000 US, which is what MLS uses for a, 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 a fee or a currency, sorry. And I think that works out great for all parties because Forense in their official transfer announcement for Gold said that was their biggest ever transfer fee. So they're getting a big windfall. And then for the Whitecaps, that's what you'd pay for, you know, a second choice left back or like a, a starting left back. So I think it was win, win, win. The Whitecaps get a star, or a DP, paying them a reported $3 million a year, which according to my research, 10th best paid player in MLS. So it's a big deal for a team that currently sits last in salary. So just for a bit of context, all that, if you've, if you've missed, it's been quite the saga. And that's why it was first reported a month, no, six weeks ago by Michael McCall of AFTM. We talked about it. It was, you know, all but guaranteed. And from what we've heard it through the grapevine, that sounds like it was true. It sounded like the white caps were guaranteed hack from what it sounds like. Even that promo video they did of him with the bagpipes or with the guys singing the bagpipes outside of BC place. Apparently that was filmed three weeks ago and no one knew about it. It just slipped through the radar, but because of quarantines, missed flights, vaccines, all this stuff, they had to, you know, do all this administrative stuff. So all this to say, we've been, We've, we've seen many cases where this ends up with the Whitecaps. This doesn't end in their favor. I mean, there's you can start and end with Camilos and Vezo, and you can go in many, many other directions in the transfer. So all this to say, very happy that Ryan Gold's transfer did eventually come through. And I think this is a blessing disguise. 400K for a top DP number 10 in MLS. That's not that's not bad at all. And if he's, he's still 25 in three years when his contracts up maybe mls will be rising so much that he'll be a borderline tam player at the money who knows but uh all this to say it's been a, it was it's been an interesting story but it's nice that it finally got thrown in and made uh, put together yeah i guess as a as a final note in the kind of formalities of the transaction one of the things i was wondering about was why the friday afternoon to saturday morning release and drop and it sort of sounds like the Whitecaps wanted to avoid a an imbomb or countless other situation where you end up with the other club dropping news and making it official yep. before your club. And so it sounds like Forenze, for whatever reason, was going to be dropping it on social sometime on Saturday. So the Whitecaps thought, right, let's, let's get this in motion, get it going. When the transfer certificate and everything got approved early on on Friday, just like right when they were going to hop on their flight for the Minnesota match, they queued everything up and were ready to go. So that, that explains at the time, it seemed very strange. You've, you've waited years for this signing and then you're doing it on a long weekend where a lot of people are away from their phones, you know, not really paying attention. But as soon as that transfer certificate came through, you know, time was of the essence. So I guess, I guess that's why it happened that way. Um, probably not best from a marketing perspective, but, uh, 
you know, good from a marketing perspective in the sense that if he can get into matches before then, fans can hope to see him at BC Place later this month, which is obviously awesome. But we got a transition. I was just gonna a say, okay, we'll go ahead. One, yeah. one last thing on gold because I didn't touch upon it there. I I, I went straight in. All about right. all the, the the national team chatter and yeah. that's the thing because it's it's clearly very important to him still and it's important to a lot of people in Scotland that have followed him. So while as Whitecaps fans, you know they may not care a lot. It's it's a big part of his full picture as a footballer. So I think it's something worth keeping in mind. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say a quick note on that. It's worth noting that at least England and I guess it extends to other parts of the UK. It's it's interesting how they view their domestic leagues. Obviously, you know, everyone views their domestic league as superior, especially in Europe amongst the top five leagues. You know, it's always going to be like, oh, you know, Liga was better, is better. La Liga, you know, Bundesliga, Premier League, Serie A. There's always this debate, oh, this league's washed, this league's this. I've engaged in in my time, too. I understand there's always the whole legacy leagues. Uh, whoever's won the most Champions League, whoever has the most finalists, whatever. So I get the whole debate, but especially in England, it's strange because for them, they're national team players. Just look at the whole kerfuffle at the Euros with England. I mean, how they had pretty much all of their squad was from the Premier League, except for what, like Jude Bellingham and Jaden Sancho. And then there's the whole controversy about Jaden Sancho didn't even play until he mysteriously signed for Man United. And then he was starting a semifinal the next day because all of a sudden he's in England. So that's just, I think the whole discussion about the national team is a bit overblown just because of the fact that it's good that players leave it and go to other leagues. I mean, there's been studies on that national teams where players go to other leagues they do better i mean there's a whole talk about the u.s and and canada how much better they've been ever since they've started sending european exports you start having players that play at all sorts of clubs where you see something different it's just it's good to have that in the national team pool we don't have this singularity where everyone's kind of almost too in sync they'll play on the same team same calendar is weird a vibe about it so i just always thought the national discussion in england and the united kingdom is always a bit overblown but at the same time, it is relevant because from Gold's perspective, should he be in the national team, even if, if he's doing well at the Whitecaps? 1,000% yes. If you're in, I mean, I maybe I'm a bit, you know, too much in the sense that if I think if you're good enough and you're playing in MLS, you can play on any national team in the world, be it Brazil, Italy, etc. I think Giovinco doing a shift for Italy four or five years ago proved that because since then the league's only gotten better. But obviously some managers are going to have reservations. It's mostly PR. The last thing you want to do as a manager of an Italy is to call up a guy in MLS. He doesn't do so well. You look bad. You may as well just call up your guy in Syria and have him do bad anyways. So I, I get from why the discussion is so huge because from Gold's perspective, this is a big risk. I mean, this is a big risk. The fact that even if he plays out of his skin, there's no guarantee. Because, heck, he saw it firsthand last year. He was a force in Portugal. I'm sure if he was Portuguese, he probably would have been on the national, on the Portuguese national team. And we know how stacked that is. Because he's Scottish, he's playing in a foreign league for them. They're like, oh, well, you know, he's doing it in a foreign league. What? It's not the same as the, the Scottish league. It's not the same as the And it was, it was ridiculous, too, because watching Scotland at the They Euros, needed a number 10. They, that was the one glaring weakness was a player like Ryan. So, you know, uh, that just, I think, adds fuel to the fire. And, and we're just going to have to – we're going to have to see how it works out. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, no, that, I, that, they, that. they still need that player 
for the Scottish national team. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it works out. That's it. So it's 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 a complete. I get the the argument where it's coming from because I get some national team fans. Why is he doing that? But hey, maybe this can be a, a, start, a start of Gauld proving him wrong. The one good thing about MLS is that Johnny Russell has gotten looks from from yeah. the national team, and there there have been others. So maybe this is the start of that. But anyways, I just wanted to say we got a lot to to move on, and uh, maybe just just starting. What does this signing maybe mean for the rest of the season? I and mean, do we want to go into a bit of the midfield depth chart? Because I know we had some interesting discussions. Yeah, I think I think let's that. let's let's talk about that because uh, we, we were talking about this off air a couple of days ago. But you know, as much as it's great to have a player move in, it means that someone is heading out of the starting lineup, and you know that's easy when when Kyle Alshandre is suspended. Okay, well now Russell Tybert comes out, but if you have, you know, unless you're playing four in the midfield, you've got Michael Baldissimo, Ennio Bacal, Kyle Alshandre. If you're playing 4-3-3, something's got to give there unless you're going to play Gold up front. So it's a tough one because those are all, personally at least, I mean, that those are all players I like in the midfield. So it brings up the question, Who's the odd man out? Uh, and with Baldy suspended here for the next match, it's it's maybe not great time for the young Canadian to be to be out of action. But yeah, Alex, curious for your thoughts to you know where does uh, the Scotsman slot in, and then who's who's possibly the biggest loser from this transaction in terms of current players? Yeah, and it's a, it's a good question because we were yeah we were talking about a heck the other the other day, and I mean. It's tough because I think Gold's the it's it's it goes without saying when you're paying a guy three million dollars a year he's only he's not playing if he has a knock if he's injured and even even if he has a knock at this point he's probably playing uh, right or wrong that is so he's he's the guy from there you kind of go down the list Kyle Alexandre I think he's he's got to be a locked in starter at, at this point um, the numbers back it up the eye test backs it up you can only imagine what him passing the ball up to to Ryan Gold will look like and. In my eyes, in my head, I, I imagine great things coming from that. Even just from semantics, he costs $4 million a year. He's one of your most expensive players. So for me, it comes down to Janu Bakel or Michael Baldissimo. And I think, unfortunately, it might, Michael Baldissimo is going to be the guy to drop more regularly. I think Janu Bakel, he's just, he's fit enough to go, you know, play most of the games. He's proven to be a beast in multiple positions. His ball progression is good enough that it fits in with what the White Caps want to do. I mean, his dribbling, like we, we're seeing all of this dribbling from him as of late. He's been averaging three to four dribbles a game. Like he's, you know, pretend to be Lionel Messi a few times a game and that regularly now uh, he's got the defense. I think you can't drop him either. He's too much of a locked in starter that writes the midfield itself called Alexandre Bikel. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I think that unfortunately, I think Baldi Smo's ready to start in MLS on, on most teams. I just think, that they'll lead him to, to kind of go into a more rotation role, fill in guys who are hurt, suspended rest, which to be fair, the schedule is going to be quite congested, especially if the white caps there, I say knock on wood, it's not always easy for them as, as it should be go on a run in the Canadian championship. So uh, I think it, it, it's going to, you know, hurt Baldissimo's starting chances. But for me, I think the one guy that the writing on the wall, I think it has to be Leonard Owusu because We've talked about it a lot in our pre-shows. If you've heard, basically the pre-shows is the first five minutes is where is Leonard Owusu? Why isn't he starting every game without fail? Uh, and uh, 
with the new number 10, I don't think that's going to change. I think it's going to be, it's going to shift to why isn't Leonard Owusu on this on the bench at this rate with how things are, are going between him and the white cap. So I think the writing's on the wall, international spot, one of the more expensive players. You just wonder if it might be best for him to get a loan, a trade or a transfer out. And that's not to say he's a bad player. I'd like to see him on the white caps. I'd like to see them play him more, even with gold in the fold. But if you're not going to play him at this point, just don't devalue the asset. It, you know, it's just pure financial things. Because dare we say it, Patrick Metcalf is training like a man on a mission. For those, it was it was almost karmic in a sense for the Whitecaps to finally allow people back to training last week. I talked to at least three or four people who went to training. Every single one of them, Patrick Metcalf was lights out at training last week. He gets 30 minutes off the the bench against. Uh, I, whoever, my goodness, my memory is, is, is failing already against uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Sorry, there's so, so many blends of teams. I'm thinking about Lays and all this. He gets 30 minutes against Minnesota. The way he's training, it's going to be hard to keep him. He's clearly uh, ahead of Abusu in the pecking order. At that point, Metcalf's dirt cheap. He's a domestic, he's a homegrown. He can play in the Canadian Championship. That leaves Abusu sixth on the depth chart, seventh on the depth chart. I think the writing's on the wall. So obviously you forget about our our favorite consistent number four in the depth chart, but he always ends up number three, Russell Tybert. I think it might just uh, it might be time to 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 get rid of Leonard Owusu, and not again not because I want to, but maybe kind of pivoting on that, Sam. I don't know. A, do you agree? And B, if you were to make a move, what kind of market do you think you'd be looking for for him? Do you think it's maybe a loan where? You, you, you loan him out and you give him a fresh start to come back as a white cap next year? Or do you think the writing might be on the wall for him long-term as a white cap? I know it's a bit of a loaded question. but No, uh, it's totally fair. I think the loan is a good shout, not because he's going to come back and be a white cap player, but because that asset management thing you talked about, you have to try to reclaim some of that value because right now it's at an all-time low and that's not a scenario where you want to be selling. And I mean, I saw him in Monday amongst the the non-starters and he just didn't look confident out there. Like it it feels like it's it's been so long since he's played a match. It's been so long now since that preseason. You can tell he's just lost confidence. He's not happy that he's not playing, but it's tough you get stuck in that rut where you don't have the confidence of a of a coach and you're trying to do things to to prove that you deserve it but then you're doing too much you're not playing your game and it's just this perpetual cycle where you you can't get out of it right you just sometimes you need a fresh start sometimes you got to go somewhere else and so i think both financially for the white caps and then personally for the player a loan makes the most sense right now like like i don't know is leo a guy that is going to go tear up USL. I'm not sure. Like it's maybe it's too probably too pricey for USL teams. So I don't know where the fit is in North America. It's, it's a curious one. I just, it's going to be tough to find a spot for him. The stuff within MLS is always really tricky, but he needs that opportunity to go for a year somewhere else. And then, then the white caps can either, you know, if he has a great stint at that other club, you can sell him to that club or at the very least there's a, you know, a really good index of matches to go here. This is the guy you're buying because it's it's been so long since we've seen that. And even, you know, shout out to Yasser Kamiri is starting to play better and, and starting to get a little more comfortable. And after, after a long, long time of, you know, just struggle after struggle after struggle. So I hope that Leo can find that trajectory. But yeah, you were kind of 
seemed like he had something to say about possible destinations. You're always on top of this stuff, so I'm interested to hear what you think in that regard. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned Kamiri. So I just, you know, obviously you're talking about it. It makes me think about it. Kamiri is on 240K yeah. for the white cap. So he was on a lot more, right? He's on 400K. So mm-hmm. I think standard loan practice, usually 50-50 wages. Sometimes if that's, it's a big that's, club, that's a small too, club. That's too much for you. Maybe 60-40. Yeah. And the fact they've loaned Kamiri to one of the the richer teams in USL. I, I don't think you, there's a USL market for Awusa. I think he's yeah. probably a bit too good for the league anyways. I think I'm just thinking of like where he could tear it up. And then at the moment I said that, I was like, oh, financially, that's not going to work. But I just, I want to see him go somewhere and bag a bunch of goals and assists and raise his profile, right? Yeah. Well, I think realistically, teams are allowed to intra MLS loans. The transfer window does close in a, in a few days. So they'd have to make it have a deal ready quite quickly here. So I just thinking with 17 games left in an MLS season, that's a lot of game time. I mean, which which was... roster is he breaking into though and having a key role? That's that's the question, right? I mean, if there, I guess it depends on who has international spot. I mean, at worst, could a team like Austin not use some some help in the midfield these days? Uh, I mean, obviously sitting last in the MLS, they've struggled to create goals. They just signed a number a new number nine. Uh, maybe a guy like Leonard Wusu could break in the midfield there. If not, there's teams out there. I'm sure like a. Like a like an RSL always seems a little you know weak in the midfield. Heck, actually, you know a teams that would pro- two uh, one team actually uh, two two weeks ago Colorado would have been a good fit before they signed Mark Anthony K. But a team like Houston, I feel like would that would be a very Owusu esque transfer. You know they, yeah. they they capitalize on him being in the MLS because that's you know, the they're best. Low- that's the best one I've heard so far. I actually the, like, I like the Houston fit. And they've they've just recently signed you know the Zimbabwean uh, you know teenage Hadebi, I think it was. What a name that is, by the way. <laughs> we talked about it the other time. So obviously they're not shy of tapping into the African, uh, West African, East African market. Maybe they get a guy like Owusu on a loan and they try to trade for him for Jam or Tam. You heard it here year. first. Leo Owusu to the Houston Dynamo. Axel, Mark, make this happen. I'm I'm fully in. I like this fit. That would that would fit. I think that'd be a good fit for 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 him. If not, I think it would be he's European market. If it's it, it's either a very niche MLS market. If not, it's European. I'm thinking a Derek Cornelius esque loan where you yeah. go to a a first division club in a in a league similar to where he was at before in Israel or you know Greece or Croatia, you know, one of those, like, Serbia, Croatia, Finland, even. But that, the Scandinavians hard because I think they're on the the same as the MLS calendar. So you go to a team starting preseason. You go there, and then in January you evaluate your options after the loan. Because I think it, it could be interesting. Because we have to remember, you never know what your midfield's going to look like in in January. You don't know if you're going to sell guys. You don't know what's you know. Maybe Daniel Bakel gets interest from a team he gets sold. Maybe a guy like Kyle Alexandra. I know he's only been here a year. Maybe someone makes an offer too good for you to refuse. Can't refuse, and all of a sudden you need a guy like Leonard Owusu back in the lineup or. I guess I suppose you could graduate Michael Baldissimo, but I think if you're the Whitecaps, you loan him out, you see from there. You do, in my opinion, you should have you should have done with the Woos what you did with Cornelius, and then you should have you know kept Cornelius here because all of a sudden you need center backs. Funny how that works. You loan out center backs, so I don't know. I think I think a, a trade in MLS or you do what Cornelius did. Yeah, maybe maybe Toss Ricketts still has the Lithuanian connection, you know? I, I know there were some some harrowing tales from Lithuania, so maybe not... I don't glo- think Owusu does yeah, not, not no a guaranteed gl- paycheck. No glowing <laughs> reviews from Toss there, but I, I like your suggestion for Houston. And then, yeah, there's 
there's a litany of clubs out there that could be interested in the services. And I think, again, the loan is by far the most attractive right now until you you see a little bit more because this is just a guy that, you know, I think needs to put a new shirt on and needs to needs to feel like he's wanted somewhere. And hopefully he gets that at some point. But I want to talk a little bit because we've been away for a couple matches and all of a sudden this Whitecaps squad is looking a little bit different and has a little bit more confidence. But the question is, about halfway through the year here, you know, some would say that the MLS season doesn't really start until the second half. And oh that boy. might that might be true for Seattle. That might be true for Portland <laughs> where they're sniffing around the playoffs. But for the Vancouver Whitecaps, you are, let me just double check this, you're six points out of seventh place in the West, and you're also one match. You've given an extra match. You've played 16. RSL's only played 15. So... I think best case scenario, RSL loses that match and, and and you take up pick up three points at some point down the line. Okay, maybe it's only maybe it's only a three point gap, but you know, that's they're gonna have to play at a, a very impressive pace the rest of the year in order to to grab that last playoff spot. And there's lots of other teams around them that, you know, other than Austin, there's there's a decent amount of parity in the West and and lots of teams that could go on a run as well. So with with God in the fold and with you know things seemingly starting to come together at least a little bit, are the playoffs you know to, to quote Jim Mora still playoffs? on the horizon? This is where we need still, producer Ben. <laughs> yes, are, are is it still on the horizon or is this something that you feel like is kind of over the hill and and realistically? You know, as someone covering the team, you're focusing on development for next year. I I know the players, I know the coaching staff. They're, you know, scratching and clawing for that. You know, that's always the goal. But what do you think? I think it's unfortunately far too realistic. I think this, especially these years, the the, the reason why is it's intra. There's no intra league play, and in intra when there's no intra league, lots of six point matches. Every night's a six point match, and if anything. The Whitecaps picked the wrong – they really picked the wrong year to draw every darn game that they play because it's not like <laughs> yeah. in a normal year where, not you helpful. Draw, where you draw like a lot of Eastern Conference teams. That's fine. It's the classic I scratch your back, you scratch yours. We both had long travel. You know, we draw. It doesn't hurt either of us. You know, it, it actually helps us. But in the West, it's really unfortunate. They've drawn like the likes of – some of the teams they've drawn are all around them in the standings. Like really, like you actually had a chance to make separation. Like drawing Dallas was not, I, you know, I know it's away and they, whatever, but the fact they dropped a point late at Dallas might come back to haunt them. But at the same time, the beautiful thing is when there's all this intra-league play, it's all in your own hands, really. Until you get into the last five, 10 games, it's all in your hands for now. And I think the Whitecaps finally returning home. If they can string a few wins together, the beauty is you're playing teams around you in the playoff spot. So as long as you balance it with, okay, try to keep your losses to the likes of SKC, Seattle, Portland, you know, like the top four, you know, teams in the, in the West, and then at least try to beat or, or, you know, beat as many player teams around you. You're always going to keep the door open. And obviously if you can win against Seattle, draw against Seattle, those kinds of teams, those points help because you're not, obviously you're not giving away points to the other team. It's always nice to steal. So I think it's unfortunately all far, far too realistic than maybe some would like, than maybe th- this Whitecaps. But 
you know what they deserve a shot to see you know what 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 happens you gotta finally play all your games at home it's been way too long you finally got your dp number 10 it's way too long for mark a guy like mark DeSantos, he deserves a shot like this so that's maybe it's a good thing that the Whitecaps have a have a chance to make them playoffs because I think we're going to learn a lot about this roster in the next 18 games. I think we're going to learn a lot about Mark DeSantos as a head coach in the next 18 games. I think this is, you know, he, heck, even as well, I won't talk about it now because I know we have it as a footnote for the end of the show. You even got the Canadian Championship back in there to add implications, Champions League, winning a trophy, etc. I think we're going to learn a lot about this roster and, and, and uh, coaching staff, but it's nice that it's not going to come in a scenario where it's like, you know, the classic, oh, you're eliminated after 50 games into the hockey season. You've got 30 games to, you know, evaluate for next year. It's nice that they can do that evaluation, but at least, you know, while still having the pressure of chasing a playoff spot. So to answer your question after that long-winded answer, yes, it's very much realistic. And yes, at the same time, you're still evaluating every day what you have at your disposal, even with Gold now in and, you know, all these Cavallini, Crepo, Gaspar fully fit, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's an exciting time because it's going to be a long ways into the season before, no matter how the Whitecaps play, before they're officially out of the hunt. So there's a lot of valuable matches there to evaluate, just like you talked about. But, you know, sort of on the flip side of it here, if, if Austin secures a win against Houston tomorrow, then Vancouver's looking at being dead last in the Western Conference. But again, not that far removed from a playoff spot, but still dead last to those teams in the West. So it's both sides of the coin there there's a lot to play for and yeah yeah I, I think Alex you you brought it up perfectly whenever we we had this conversation on the podcast before about how how telling these matches are for Mark Dos Santos I mean I think we part of this number 10 signing has made us almost forget or made made fans forget to a certain extent not all of them but certainly some that you know this is a coach that was and possibly still is very much on the hot seat and in some respects, the signing of the player that you've been waiting on for so long adds more pressure, not less. Because if you you weren't able to do it without that number 10, if you're not able to do it with the number 10, then we've got big problems, right? So that that's going to be really interesting. That's, that's a storyline that shouldn't be forgotten in all this as well. But uh, it, it was more of a rhetorical question. Obviously, the Whitecaps are still in the playoff hunt, but just it you know things can change so quickly and I, I think I need to see I need to see more than one win in the last five or six matches I need to see two of the last three three of the last five where you get all three points before I'm willing to jump on the the white caps for playoff train because you yeah at some point draws aren't good enough at some point you know greasing out results isn't gonna cut it credit to them because that was something they were incapable of doing last year but yeah at some point you got to be clinical you got to finish these matches off yeah no i think you're you're fully right i think it's not necessarily it's not been good enough to say to be a playoff standard whatsoever i think you have to show more you need to win but the beautiful thing is if you do it's it's you know it's nice that if you're the white caps if you put, if you metaphorically put your your crap together i guess to say well we'll keep this polite and you beat, start beating teams with how it's set up, you'll put yourself in the playoffs. So it's nice to see that there's going to be a cause and effect. And it's almost like it, it makes it so much easier to judge because you don't have to be like, well, we won all these games. 
but then luck wasn't on our side and we didn't make the playoffs. Well, this for now, you still have a chance to control luck. So it, it's nice for them to, to kind of have, I guess that, that in front of them, but even then it just, it shows in MLS how crazy, you know, crazy the standings are. The fact that the white caps have won one game in the last 12 games. Like they, they that's, you know, that's absurd. Crazy. Yeah. Six points out of a playoff spot. Like, uh, you know what? Like, yes, six points. Is, it's pretty far. Two wins. One win in it's 12 all, games. It's also not ex- that far at all. One one win in 12 games, you'd expect to be 12 points out of a playoff spot, 15 points out of a playoff spot. You're not expect to be right in the thick of it. But, hey, that's also what happens when you pick up draws. And, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll give credit to the Whitecaps. Is, you know, some of the draws, should they have won? Yes. Should they have beat Seattle, as wild as it sounds to say? probably should have held on should you have beat dallas a hundred thousand percent some of these games you should have won but sometimes in a way draw in mls there's a reason why managers celebrate away draws in mls and for all we know maybe that away draw we lamented against toronto back in in you know in march might actually end up paying off or i guess it would have been april would have paid off but uh anyways enough about the whole playoff and metaphors and stuff Let's talk about some of those recent games. I know it's been a well, while. Well, I, I was going to say, let's talk about Minnesota and not just, you know, we're going to talk about the match, but also you look at how, just to finish off the standings conversation, Minnesota started 0-4, and if they hadn't got hosed, frankly, by the officials and the Whitecaps in that match over the weekend, they'd be fifth place in the West. So you, you can turn it around. You can turn it around awfully quick if you go on a hot streak, but yeah, let's dive into it. I mean, we got to talk about the key moments of that match. We got to talk about the first goal, which I think if that's in the premier league, that's offside. And the second goal, which was frankly, clearly not a penalty, but credit to the Whitecaps. They did play well in the first half. They they lost that energy in the second half and looked like the, you know, the no-movement, stagnant Whitecaps team we all know and love. But uh, Alex, I guess, first thoughts on those two goals and then, and then secondarily maybe a, a thought on the play style and where there's room for improvement. Well, if we're going to talk about the goals, lots to say. I think first goal offside, onside. It's nice that there's a bit of a, a threshold. That's funny because you mentioned the Premier League. They did announce today that they are going to start on goals, returning to the idea that the advantage does go to the attacker and that even if, it, if it's a toenail, it's onside. So they are reverting to their old ways. So just interesting, so you know. Interesting, interesting. I'm not read. sure I like that. I like the ruthlessness of, oh, I mean, you, you got a fingernail offside, no goal. I like it because <laughs> it's black and white and it's easy. But in MLS, they don't have that technology. Yeah. So there's something pure about, you know, the ref just if it's onside – you know, I guess it really depends on the refs on the field. And I think that's what, what I like about the current thresholds in MLS is that it's it's very, you know, it, it's dependent on what the official calls. So if, if the official I, calls... I'm the complete opposite of you. I hate that. I, I just, I want the, I want clarity. I don't want a moving target. Well, I think it, clarity, yes. I think it is clear though. I think it's it's clear it's, if the officiating, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's this decisions, you see them and you're not like, okay this is egregious for one way or another it's usually they're iffy and at least in mls you always feel like like, i don't know they they they, they make sense like even on the second goal because i know everyone wants to talk about that yes maybe uh, in some scenarios was it a penalty very iffy contact was minimal at best you know did dahoma even have the ball that's a question to be had but from the official official standpoint you all he saw was a tangle legs dahoma goes down he calls it you go to vr you see contact it's hard to overturn at least 
it was in the officials hands that's what they gave of it you can debate the call all you want at least there's some sort of you know i wasn't surprised by it it's not like the premier league where it felt like rules were written on napkins at some point it was you know yes that was the call unfair and maybe were were some minnesota fans validated in their complaints 100% but what at the same time I feel like at this point, we all know the the threshold and that's why I wasn't that surprised or outraged or, you know, because if it happened to the white caps, I would have just, yes, would have been, oh, it's VAR closing the white caps. But at this point, you know what you're getting. And there's something almost calming about that in MLS that good or bad, you know, you know what you're going to, you're going to get. And there's the, the clarity of the thresholds. They put it in the hands of the officials. They put it, you know, the officiating is clear. Uh, with the offside goal, you knew, okay, it stood on the field. Was it, you know, could you tell that Dahomey was offside by the naked eye? No, okay, it counted. Same with the penalty. There was contact, Dahomey went down. Did he have the ball or not? The official called it. Was it clear and obvious? You know, the, the, the wording clear and obvious makes a lot more sense in MLS than it does in Europe. So that's all I'll say about the two decisions. Yeah, I guess that's fair that at least they're consistent in terms of the procedure. I guess my quip is that are you trying to make the procedure clear or are you trying to get the decision right? And it feels like sometimes in MLS they're, they're more concerned with following the procedure than, and, you know, putting it in the hands of the on pitch official than actually getting the decision. Right. And I mean, I think with that Minnesota way, to me, it's a foul on Dahomey. He makes, he makes little effort to actually play the ball and full effort to, get in front of the defender and, and fall down which is i mean credit to him that's i mean hey it's, if it's you're an a defender effective, you can't swing yeah. your leg in the box it's an effective and it's an effective so. strategy the way the game's currently officiated so i, I cannot blame him for that at all but yeah i think philosophical differences there on how uh, the procedure should go and and i think I, every I, everyone has their own opinion on this so i'm sure there's people that disagree with both of us well, I, I can just say you can debate the principle. Do you go with the hardline approach where you continue to change the rules and force the officials to adapt year after year? Or do you yeah. work through the growing pains and hope that by, you know, through these sorts of experiences and learnings that the officials, you know, adapt themselves? It's the question. I guess it's almost like, do you, do you give the, the, the leash to, you know, I guess, do you give the power to the, to the, I don't even know how this works. I guess, do you give the power to the horse or do you give the power to the rider? And I feel like there's some sort of, you know, aspect of that. I mean, maybe should, should MLS be given the the power to the horse? <laughs> you can question that decision, but sometimes the rider isn't too smart either. I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, this is one where there's always, you know, everyone's going to have their own view and, and, and someone's always going to be unhappy with the decisions, right? And that overall was was a draw entirely unfair. Like, no, it was it it was a relatively even match. So I don't want to I don't want to say that you know Minnesota was absolutely robbed. Were they the better team? Most likely, but you know the Whitecaps did put in a good first half performance. They did create some chances. They were hey late in the match. They had a chance in the opponent's box. That doesn't that doesn't always happen. A lot of times, the Whitecaps would be be seeing things out, just kind of staying low risk and. Uh, they were throwing it everything against the wall and trying to trying to create something at the last moment and you know sometimes those those chances come off so so credit to them and and we have to give credit to Christian Dahomey now who has eight goals in this young campaign that's a that's an impressive clip if he can keep it up if we're going to go the whole you know times two thing and and try to project out his full season performance and 
I think I'd said in our preseason show that he was going to have 10 plus assists. I should have flipped it the other way around and did 10 plus goals. I thought he was going to be the creator for this team. Given the lack of creator at the time, it turns out he's been the finisher so far. And I know, Alex, you've been on the Dahomey hype train and trying to get him recognized in the league circles. So maybe you just say a word on on his play so far this year. Yeah, and I mean, before I go into Dahomey, I just want to add, worth noting that the Whitecaps did actually win the XG battle again, with or without the penalty. So actually, yeah. Minnesota, there could be the arguments that a 2-1 win was unfair to Minnesota because they had barely one XG and they had two goals. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought the Whitecaps started well. I thought they, they had a good first half, completely fell apart in the second. They pulled it back. You know what, you'll, you'll in in a shocking reversal of fortunes where usually the first half is dreadful and then they get it together in the second. So I, I was nice to see them flip the script there. Yeah, but as for Dahomey, I mean, where do you start? I mean, to eight goals, yes, three of them are penalties. But the one thing I pointed out that, that is worth noting, he did win two of the penalties. So it's not as if he was just, you know, standing there all game and then waiting for his teammates to win them and just stepping up and, and taking them. No, he's, he's won two of the penalties. And I'm pretty sure... On the other one that wasn't won by him, Cavallini, Dahomey was the guy who gave the ball to Cavallini. So it's not, again, it's as if some, say, James Tavernier, you know, Tavernier situation in Rangers where he was, you know, right back taking penalties and free kicks and racking up goals and assists. No, like Dahomey is also very involved in the winning of said penalties. Uh, so, you know, eight goals, no matter how you cut it. I mean, Raul Rediaz has, has three penalties and he himself only has 11 goals. Dahomey's three, I think, at this rate, the top score is 12. So he's three or four off of the first place. He's top five in MLS, which is just mind blowing. When, when has there ever been a top five in MLS other than Camilo, obviously back in the days, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've even had this sort of discussion. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny just thinking his goals that two are off of headers. The rest are all off open, off open play just cause he's, he's had a knack at showing up in the right place and just and finishing He's also got two assists, which puts him at 10 combined goal assists. He has two braces. I think with a record when he scores, the Whitecaps have only lost uh, once. And I think, I'm trying to think in the situation which it would have happened. But he, otherwise, when he gets a goal, they're pretty much uh, flawless, I think. If not, maybe flawless. I think it maybe might be when he got an assist. Yeah, actually, sorry. It was when he got an assist. He is, they're undefeated when he scores. What more do you want? I just even looking at some of the stats, I think he's factored in on 57% of the Whitecaps goals, or at least he's scored 57%. He's been involved in, in, in 60% or something like that. The numbers just speak for themselves on a bad team. You look at most of the guys in the top 10 or top five, it's guys like Bo, it's the guys like Rui Diaz, it's guys like Saloy, guys who play on great teams and are taking advantage. Dahomey has kind of taken the Whitecaps on his back and just carried them to some results. They had no business winning. I think of that Seattle game. I think of that Montreal game. I think of that even this most, you know, LAFC most recently where they got that draw. I think of this Minnesota game. There's a case to be made on many fronts that he that he is the the MVP of this team. And I, uh, you know, I'll throw it to you. I'll, I'll confirm the stats on, on Dahomey's goal and assist contributions, but Again, just looking at the numbers, they all speak for themselves. And even the the performances, the results, everything speaks for itself. Well, yeah, without actually looking back, I believe we both picked Dahomey to be our our season MVP in our pregame show, correct? I think so. I think we might our have pre, actually pre-season both. Maybe show, Kyle not, or, not pregame maybe. show, pardon me. I, I'm pretty sure I went, I seem to recall going pretty heavily all in on Dahomey. 
in, in our preseason show. And I, I feel like so far that's been validated and, you know, maybe, maybe God comes in and completely knocks their socks off and, you know, changes the complexion of this team to the point where we've, we've forgotten about the diminutive Colombian, at least to some degree, but I, I don't think so. I think he's going to continue to have an impact and, and yeah, as you said, you know, he's, he's earning the penalties. He's at the center of the offense. Even I think, you know, his at sometimes, you know, kind of just completely selfless style of play, the way he tracks back the things he does off the ball that aren't in the counting stats that we saw a lot of last year, even prior to his good run at the end of the season, that hasn't gone away. It's not like just because he's scoring goals. Now he's, now he's a poacher that does nothing off the ball and he's, he's too good for, for work rate anymore. Like, no, it's, it's because of that work rate. It's because of that effort. It's because of all the little things he does that he's having success. So there's value in his play well beyond goals from the spot or goals from open play. Even it's, you know, it's a 90 minute game in game out type thing. And when we've done our stock reviews, you know, we talked about this before a bad performance from Dahomey is a, a six and a half out of 10. And that's the kind of player you want in your starting lineup match in match out. Yeah. And just to return back. So I want, I was a fan of accurate statistics. I had my wires crossed a bit. He scored 45% of the white caps goals, which Again, that's just obscene. He scored. That's not even a score and assist. And when you add an assist, he's been involved in 55% of the goals. And I want to just point out, for some reason, his assist against LAFC, where he crossed it in, got to Diver Casado and scored, did not count as an assist. Neither did his one against Dallas, where he did the same thing for Cavallini. So arguably, he should have eight goals and four assists, which be, I don't even want to, you know, crunch numbers on that. That's I think that's 66% of the goals he would have been involved in. And he is involved in. He he was involved, even if MLS doesn't count them as assists. So just to, to show that it could be even better on face value. But again, I agree full, you know, full stock. I'm happy that it's Dahomey getting the success because he's such a humble guy. You just, you listen to the guy talk. He just, he's so happy to be there. He's selfless team first. You watch him on the field. You'd ask this guy to play center back and I'm sure he'd try to give you a shift. He works so hard off the ball. He, he, he's the most consistent winger I've ever seen. And I've said that many times before, just how he always gives you the six out of 10. And for me, that's already made him a special player. But the fact that he's added the offensive output, just it, it makes you happy because it's you couldn't think of a more deserving individual. And it's nice that the Whitecaps have that sort of depth because you think he's not even supposed to be the, the fourth or fifth best guy on the team. It's really, if you're looking at everyone that's healthy, it's Cavallini and Gauld, your two DPs. You'd make the argument it's Caicedo because he's the younger hot shot kid who, you know, has the, all the potential to, you know, this and that. You'd argue a guy, Kyle Alexandria, paid $4 million for. You know, they, now with Eliandan gone, there, there's one less guy for him to be under. But he's arguably, what, the, the fifth most important player on the team? If you add in Crepo, of course, sixth uh, on paper. So for him to be stepping up in a big way despite his role, it's just you ha- it, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. So just from a personal standpoint you have to like it but in terms of the numbers just because the all-star i you know what if if you're don commissioner don garber you know he's gonna pick some guy like john luca busio or you know tan you know a guy who's on his way to europe or george bello and be like oh look at this young hot shot we have in our league it's somehow the only reason alfonso davies got an all-star nod in 2018 even though he's letting the league alight but if he had half of a, a soccer brain and he saw some of the stats a guy playing on the second last team in mls with fifth in, in goal scoring top 10 in mls in goals plus assist 
a great guy, a humble guy. It would make a lot of sense on those fronts. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you in that regard for sure. But let's uh, we'll talk a little bit now about some of the negatives from the Minnesota match, and I think the one that really stood out to me was defensive errors, defensive blunders, for lack of a better term. You had, you know, Bikel's turnover in the midfield and Doy getting getting turned around like one of those hotel doors that just keeps spinning on the other goal. Uh, you know, guys that are normally reliable and, and guys that we've heaped a lot of praise on for their defensive prowess. So my question for you, Alex, is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, would you be more concerned? It doesn't seem like the structure, the shape of the back is an issue, but there's still these these moments from time to time where things just fall apart, and when that structure is lost, they, they're really challenged to keep it out of the back of the net. So you think it's easier to fix these little individual moments, or would it be easier to fix their shape, fix their organization back there? Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know if it's necessarily shape because it's hard to say when there's these sorts of individual errors because you look at the advanced stats and like we, we've talked all season long it's the Whitecaps have actually turned a corner analytically they've started to win the XG battle finally yeah. well they're finally, not they're not disastrous defensively the way they were the last couple of years right they've they definitely cleared that bar yeah well I'll, I'll confirm some of the numbers in the last few games but Obviously, they haven't been, you know, attacking much. Like, it's not like they're decimating the XG game, going full LAFC, going like 2.5 to, to 0 0.8 every game. But, like, they've actually, for what they have, they it, you know, the fact they've been winning the, the, the battle, it shows that structurally, I think defensively, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's putting Godoy and Ranko together back finally again. Because, again, shout out to Ranko Veselinovic. This guy, even in this game where it's Godoy making the mistake, arguably, on both of the goals came down his side. Whereas a guy like Ranko last year, that would have been 100% him. We would ask, why is he still in the lineup? He is someone who took his time out of the lineup very personally, and he's been playing out of his skin. I think he deserves a very fair shout out, as we've both talked about. He's been, you know, between us, he's been fantastic. But... Yeah, just to finally to get some of the numbers, like to only allow 1.1 XG to Minnesota, 0 0.97 to LAFC. That that for me, that's just an obscene number, by the way. 0 0.34 to Houston, 0 0.64 to the Galaxy. Those are the last four games they've allowed XG. Like for this Whitecaps team, that's unheard of. And I think coincidentally, those are the, the four games that uh, Eric Godoy and Ranko Veselinovic have been reunited. I think you're fine with the defense. So for me, individual errors, that's fine. That's a sign that your your defenders are human and that these sorts of mistakes happen. Maybe if a guy like Max Kruppo, he's there to, to to kind of gloss over the mistakes that happen, great. Not a slight on Thomas Azal at all. He's been great, and we've talked about it on the pregame show. But again, that's just more credit to Max Kruppo being sometimes almost too much of a savior and, and glossing over some problems that are there. So I think in terms of the mistakes, no, I'm not worried. Maybe I'm a bit worried about Eric Godoy hitting a bit of a wall in terms of fatigue, and maybe you wonder if he could use a rest, and maybe this week off will do him a bit of a, a bit of good. But uh, other than that, I'm not too worried about the defense because for once it's not the underlying numbers being terrible and the Whitecaps, you know, defending better than they should. The underlying numbers are fantastic for once, so hopefully the results should show. Well, speaking of fantastic, it's, I'm I'm excited that I get to do this. I thought that. Ranko Vasilovic against Minnesota. Yeah, it was a two goals allowed performance defensively, but I thought it might have been the best showing I'd seen from him 
in a white cap shirt. Like all of a sudden he looks way more comfortable back there. The passing's still a little bit loose at times, but I, I blame some of that in the midfield not really providing a lot of outlets for him. But all the maybe it was just DC going to Greece for better or worse that helped boost his confidence, but all of a sudden he looks like a guy that's comfortable back there day in day out as a starter something's changed and uh it's great for this club because that's what they brought him in to do and it had been a struggle up until this point so uh nothing but good things to say and i'm looking forward to this weekend you know gonna get gonna get a tougher test potentially the next couple times out there's there's lots of attacking options not that not that minnesota's short of them but you know you're gonna continue to get gonna continue to get tested over and over again so uh yeah, Ranko just seems to be settling in, and and that's that's good to see because in the past we've been we've been asking for Derek Cornelius, we've been asking for other options at the back instead of Ranko. Now now I want to see more of them. Yeah, finally I'm growing uh, to Ranko here, and yeah, I don't know what what it is, and maybe we'll find out a mystery in a few years down the road what happened to him, but whatever it is, keep hopefully he keeps bottling it and uh, channeling it out on the the field, but. Uh, Otherwise, maybe just going down the list, some other concerns that have cropped up uh, from the Whitecaps. For whatever reason, their lack of indiscipline it, it continues to be a surprise theme. I, I, I have not been following the rest of dis- the discipline in MLS closely, but it has to be a season high. The Whitecaps have got their third yellow card accumulation suspension of the year. Michael Baldissimo after Lucas Cavallini was suspended all the way back in July for yellow card accumulation. Kyle Alexandre joined him last week out on the yellow card accumulation. Michael Baldissimo now joins them. Uh, obviously, they're back, both back in the lineup. So Michael Baldissimo was the only suspended player. He picks up a yellow card. Do you think? <laughs> I don't know where, where to start with, with with a question like this, but I guess Sam, do you think is that something to be worried about, or do you think that's just more individual frustration? Do you think the Whitecaps are maybe their press is a little too gung ho and they're picking up needless yellow cards? what do you even make of this whole suspensions thing? Cause I mean, no matter how you crack it discipline or not, the more your players are on the field, the better. And it's really concerning that even dating back to last year, there was a few yellow card accumulations, some red card suspensions. Does this white caps team have a bit of a discipline problem? You'd say, I guess I'll, I'll answer this in a couple different ways. The first thing that comes to mind, if you, if you're looking for me to like really seriously answer the Whitecaps are one of the least, or for a large portion of the season, they were, have been the least effective and least successful pressing team in MLS. So that can't be by accident then that they're dealing with this suspension issue. If I look at the individual players, I mean, Cava doesn't help because this is going to happen to Cava every year. Like, it's not about, it's not about, the system it's about Kava and he just he cannot help himself he wants to get stuck in that's never going away and I I think if you took that away from Kava's game he wouldn't be the same player so it's not worth trying then with with Kayo I want to call it the the Anio Bakel experience which is getting used to the league getting used to what isn't isn't a yellow card um, we chatted about this not in the podcast a couple days ago and 
you know, Bikel had a real hard time, picked up a red last year. Maybe it was two reds even. I, I can't remember. I think a red and a, a, a bunch of yellows. Yeah, but he just he had a problem staying out of the book. And this season, no issues with that at all. It's been it's been clean and he's still been physical, but he's, he's figured it out. I think Kyle will get there. And then with Baldy, I think that being a smaller guy, but still wanting to be a really active defensive player... And, and Baldy likes to be aggressive too. It's just he puts himself at risk a little bit more and, and is a little more prone to that. So I don't want to say it's an overall, you know, a massive thing that the Whitecaps need to be concerned about, but I think the the lack of effectiveness on the press, the lack of consistency on the press is one factor. And, I mean, we all know about Calva, but then with Kayo, it's a bit of adjustment to the league. And then Baldy just his diminutive stature and, and, and his aggressiveness combined for for that potential. I think a couple of the ones in Baldy, they're, they're cheaper ones later in matches that, you know, you'd like to avoid, but the official pulls out the card and, and that's something that's not entirely under your control. So I don't want to say it's a massive problem, something they should look at in terms of cleaning up the press and making it more effective. Absolutely. But also the more you hold the ball, the less you have to worry about that. So that's another thing they could look at as well. Yeah. Well, all I'll say about uh Baldissimo Cava and, but uh, Kyle, because I think it is more of an individual problem. I think the rest of the team being relatively disciplined shows that it's not like the Whitecaps are, you know, picking up egregious amounts of yellows. At least on face value, I could do the research and maybe be proven wrong on that. But maybe they are the most goony team in an MLS right now. We don't, we're, we're kind of glossing over that. But just based on what we've seen from face value, I think this is going to be a good test. Because I think under the current uh, MLS disco laws every two yellows from now point on is the suspension until the fourth suspension where they get hit with a double game suspension and a fat fine so at this point they're walking on eggshells already you can't you know you you pick up one more yellow then you're on eggshells you're you're one game away from another suspension and another one so this is going to be a good test for them to kind of rein it in because especially for baldi and cava i like their ferociousness i think that's a part of how they are like you mentioned that's that's who that's their identity you don't want to have Tito. it's like you, you don't want to tell a lion to stop being a lion right it's kind of like in their in their nature so i don't want to be like okay stop it but at the same time they have to know where the line is because at a certain point if you're going to be a, a top player on a team i mean a guy like kev has had a taste of that a guy like baldissimo if he wants to take that step you can't spend half of the time in, in the in the press box, I guess, with suspensions because coaches, that's the kind of stuff that drives coaches mad, especially because it's one thing to pick up a yellow here and there. You can't you can't be consistently getting suspended because of yellow cards like that. that yeah, that just drives coaches up the wall. As for Kyle, I think his yellows were just frustration yellows. I think that's just more of how he plays. The fact that he was probably running his you know, socks off and passing the guys who weren't passing the ball back to him probably drove him up the wall a bit. I think of that that last yellow he picked up or the fourth yellow, I think it was, where he, sh- he made a pass, he shot the ball kind of frustratingly, and then he two-footed a guy. You could tell it was frustration. So hopefully for him, he cleans that up with you know players around him and maybe the i guess the jury's still out on him but as for baldissimo and cavallini definitely in their nature but uh, i guess it will be rain to be seen because again at this point on they're walking on eggshells already yeah well we'll have to see how that goes down the line we saw the the impact that having players you know out suspended can have in the gold cup and that's you know it's not something you want at critical times especially as this this season comes down to the wire if the Whitecaps find themselves in 
key matches late in the season. You know, you can't be having someone like Kava, like Kayo, missing matches in crucial moments. So, yeah, walking on eggshells, as you said. But, Alex, I think it's time for We haven't done this in a while. Let's review some stocks. Let's talk about the last couple of matches. And just for, for clarity's sake, we're, in theory, going all the way back to the Whitecaps 2-1 victory over the LA Galaxy and then the subsequent three draws that followed that. So we'll kind of, you know, combine all of those performances and evaluate how, you know, each of the players that we've invested in has kind of done recently. And let's, uh, we can take a look at that and see how we've, how we've left ourselves. Have we covered ourselves in glory or has it been a bit of a struggle? I mean, undefeated in those last four matches. So it, it shouldn't be too brutal. It shouldn't be as brutal as it was a little earlier on when they were, they were losing. It seemed like every match they played. So, uh, Alex, let's start. Let's start with your stocks. Let's let's dive into that. Just defensive set pieces. I'm I'm trying to remember back. I'm trying to think back. I, I want to say that they've they've lived a bit dangerously, but haven't really conceded. So um, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but that's been my overall sense the last couple of matches. They've they've definitely offered up some good chances, but haven't really been punished for it just yet. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I got quite the uh, the, the the allotment of, sl- of of stocks, as you say. So for defensive set pieces, I mean, it's I guess it's always a weird stock for me to hold on to. I guess and I, it is nice that we're doing a bit of a break between stocks. We can really there's going to be a little more growing and, and a little bit more, you know. Sometimes not, it's hard to evaluate after just one match. It's it's better to have a, a bit of a fuller picture. So I guess yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, looking at, at at some of the the set piece numbers. I'd probably feel comfortable with the hold. I'm not sitting here yeah. thinking, oh, they've been a dominant force. But maybe that's, need... that's the natural draw there, I think. I, I haven't done my research, but we do stocks based off gut, and my gut isn't screaming out for more money. So that usually is a good sign. Otherwise, just going down one for Goody. I don't know. Goody's been good these last few days, and that's the nice thing about a three-game gap to evaluate. We can be a little more, I guess, leaning a little less – lenient but uh i don't know i'll let you be the judge on goody i feel like he's he's finally he's kind of found early season goody again a bit i think he settled into this season i think he realized okay adnan's not back this is my role and he's he's found a a little balance i'll accept they're not i accept it being a hold because again i think he's found his level but at the same point i don't know how to judge that one it's a hold but i think i think there's some ones later on the list here that are that are going to be risers for you so uh, not not to be too concerned there uh two for kayo i i think the same thing as goody sort of would apply i mean he was he was obviously away for that last match but he's been coming back from from some niggling issues but it does feel like his i sense now is a really good time to have some kayo stock because with a create with another too. creative midfielder in the full that this could really help unlock him. So I think that's a that's a hold, but it's good time to have some of that stock. Um, moving on down the list, two for Baldy. Thoughts there, Alex? I think I, I, he, the thing is he had one of his best games this season against LAFC. And I think yeah. what, I always forget what the third match is in that, that trio. I think it was Houston, right? He, I think he was Correct. also very nil, good against nil, Houston. Nil-nil, the, the, the very yeah. memorable nil-nil against Houston. No wonder I almost for, keep almost forgetting it. It was literally that forgettable. And I, I rarely forget any game. So it really tells you how forgettable it was. 
I guess no one was really stood out against Houston, but he was really good against LAFC. My man, I think he was my man of the match against LAFC, actually, other than obviously Dahomey going on and getting a goal and should have been an assist. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I, if I was lobbying for, for a, a stock for, for Goody, I feel Baldi's a lot closer to a riser than me, than he, than he was Goody. But then again, the yellow card kind of ruined it because he was also doing really good against uh against minnesota until he picked up the yellow card as well so i think i saw two good games of sample size from him but the houston game and the yellow card does also you know ruin it a bit for me but i don't know maybe maybe i'm being a bit harsh on that stuff i think that's a hold as well and 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 that probably benefits you because i do have three shares in baldy so i'd i'd get a net gain there if we went if we went for the the rise so i i think that's above board of me and and also i think the correct evaluation to say that it's a hold for now but this one i don't care if it's not vancouver whitecaps performance two shares in mad max that's a that's a big fat rise right there because his performance for the national team phenomenal great to have max back at training look sharp on monday as well so congrats to him for his success with with the national team and you know hopefully more of that this fall as well as continued success here in vancouver so that's that's about the easiest ad we're gonna have all day i think yeah no i think crepo arguable number one starter at this point, one a one b maybe even at this rate with how good he was had matt turner decided not to go full you know dominic hashik i can't even think of other comparisons like you love prime levy ashen out throughout the gold cup tournament i think crepo could have easily been the goalkeeper of the tournament because mexico's goalkeeper didn't really get many sniffs of the ball and you know Qatar this were too wide open for a goalkeeper on their team so it's really down to Krepo or Turner Turner just you know <laughs> conceding one goal over six games was always gonna gonna make it a little hard for Krepo but hey credit to Krepo he only uh, he he allowed six I guess you know six goals or no sorry five goals in, in five games which isn't ideal but one was a penalty he saved a penalty his first penalty in 11 penalty saves in a semi-final after another penalty earlier in the game the other goals he allowed in the group stage some of them were just complete nonsense like the first minute goal against the u.s the goal against martinique the goal against haiti where he, he was a man of the match against haiti no he was the standout performance from from crepo so i will gladly take my two stocks and run of the bank one in Cameron Habibula. We'll just not talk about that. This guy, that. I don't know that. Please, Mark, play this guy. One in Reiner Post again. Not much Ditto he's there, done. Yeah. Two in Derek Cornelius. I'm just keeping that around for when he breaks through in Greece. He's played his first preseason game. So I'll be keeping an eye on that one. So I will run. I will sprint to the bank with that one as soon as it becomes relevant. One Christian Dahomey, that's just an easy riser. I mean, if we're calling him an all-star, I think don't don't even need to debate the merits of that one. But here's the interesting one. What a great bu- what a great buy by you. This was this was good timing. I think that's a recent adi- that's a recent addition, correct? Uh, I, semi-recent. Yeah. I well, well, that, not- that's a hundred percent. You're you're getting a boost there as well because he finally broke through and played more than ten minutes in a match, which is. For Pat at this point, I'd love that to be the floor, but right now that's been the ceiling, so that's awesome. You know, I have to say, didn't look phenomenal against Minnesota, did get dribbled past a couple times. I don't understand why Russell Tybert stayed on the pitch and Michael Baldissimo came off and then they played Pat in a a six when... 
literally, and you'll, you'll hear this because we're going to add the audio later, uh, but Pat talked about his comfort playing in that number eight role with Baldy at the six, and then he gets played in a defensive midfield spot. So I didn't like that for him, but I do like his performances, not only at training, but the fact that he's getting more playing time and he's earning more trust in the coach. So happy to slap my seal of approval on that. Well, I'll just throw this out there. Pat Metcalf's been one of the best players in training. We'll be at training tomorrow, so we'll be able to see how, if he continues that. No Ryan Gold for starting on against Sunday. I feel like that's safe to assume he is not match fit enough to start at this rate. I bet you'll make a cameo. You can scratch him off. Michael Baldissimo unable to play. With Leonard Owusu relegated to the, you know, the gulag at this point, that's what we'll call it. And uh, you know, Kyle Alexandre and Janu Bikel. Do we see Patrick Metcalf maybe squeeze a start over Russell Tybert? That could be a possibility. I, d- I sincerely doubt it, but I, I obviously my opinion is clear. Yeah, no, I know. Just saying at this point, I'm definitely getting a rise on the stock if that happens. I'm just saying. Yeah, but for sure. Maybe maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have to double it if he gets a start, I mean, to be honest. The, the, the fact that Mark played him 30 minutes against the LA Galaxy felt like a start. So it wouldn't be that much of a reach at this point to see him. Because that's, you know, just saying, that's what he got. The Remember the Michael Waldistimo last year? where he wasn't playing that much. And then Mark DeSantos brought him off the bench for a 30-minute cameo. And you're like, oh, shoot, he really likes that guy. Because he only gives 30-minute cameos to guys who start, who usually should be starting and aren't because of fitness reasons. And that's it. And guy, you know, so, you know, the fact that Patrick, let's just say even if he doesn't start against the Galaxy, it's close. But anyways, one in Diver Caicedo. I feel like that's a rise since the last time we talked. Like, he's been yeah. scoring. He's I'll been, give that to you. I think I think despite the fact that the, the stats haven't been off the charts, but the contribution's been good and the performance has always been there and the effort's always been there. So I'm I'm super happy with that. And I've got some, some shares in Daber as well. So self-serving. Last one, Hassal. I picked him up right after the RSL loss, so maybe yeah. I was on to something, but I don't know what to say. He kept a clean sheet in the one game against Houston. Obviously, two goals in each game against LA and Minnesota is never good considering the White Caps only allowed one XG in each game, which is never reflective on the goalkeeper, but uh, I don't know what we're saying, but Hassal, I'll take hold on that one for now. and I think, maybe I think, I might it's, need a, to... I think it's a hold, but he's he stabilized his performances. It's been... It's a huge compliment to Thomas that Max hasn't been missed that much. Like it hasn't been a glaring hole in this white cap squad. He's he's filled in admirably and to just be able to come in and do that and feel like he's not even fully meeting his own abilities is I I think a huge compliment. No, that's it. It's it's, it's certainly it's going to be a bit of a tough situation for Thomas. Uh I think he'll play again in September when Crepo leaves for international duty because uh, of the whole scheduling snap they had to reschedule some games. So there is another chance for him, but it's going to be tough with how good Crepo has been playing for him to, to find his, his way in here now, but credit to Thomas. He played well, but anyways, we've rolled through my stocks quickly enough here. That's uh, we were rolling through what we said. We got two in Mad Max, one in Dahomey, one in Metcalf, one in Caicedo. That is an easy five plus five, a very big, big rise there. So I have a nice plus eight, which is what the heck am I going to do with plus eight? But nice, for, nice for me to to have. But we'll go through yours quickly. We already you already got five because you have three in Dahomey, two in Caicedo. We've already got those. We said three is a baldy is a hold. 
You have three in Bruno Gaspar. This guy is not played. Just Giddies. sitting, sitting on those Bruno Gaspar shares. You're, 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 maybe on something with that. So we'll, 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 a hold, easy hold, but obviously nothing there. Two of them, Cam Abriwula. We already talked about that. Two in Goody, and then one. You're claiming an L on this, and I think I might have to give it to you just purely because this is stocks. So you know, got to put a drama. Can Eric we? Godoy. Can we draw back to two podcasts ago when I said I was too bored? with this format and i wanted to do some experimental yeah, all, investments all the stocks you've experimented in have not gone well well there were only two of them it was brian white and he had a horror <laughs> match and then eric godoy i even said after that you know what i think i think godoy hasn't been great but it's about time he's going to get his performances together and there's been a couple not so great matches from Eric. You Godoy, want to invest so. in any Russell Tybert stock? Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> I want to use my powers for good here. I don't know, but may, maybe it's time to retire the the experimental meme style stocks and stick with some legitimate ones because that that didn't work out very well for me. Yeah, no, I think we'll give you an easy L on Eric Godoy. So that leaves you with a nice. Oh boy, so five, uh, eight is, oh no, actually no, my, my math is bad. You minus one. Yeah, so, so I got, got a minus four. Se- seven. Oh, because, oh, wait, we why are we getting? with three. Oh, I see. It's been too long. We always since... start with, yeah, it's, it's been, been too long since start... I've done this. It's just because we had such bad stocks that we'd be at guess, three and then we'd yeah. go to like minus two or zero or one or We'd have no it's... actions week in, week out. Okay, that's and interesting. It's been a while since we had good weeks. That's why it's throwing you off. You always started with three by default. So you, to... have, you have eight and I have seven then, correct? I, there's absolutely yeah. no chance I'm using all of those, but I guess I'll just go well, ahead and my, my first one is to sell my, my, my share in Eric Godoy, unfortunately. I think that's a safe. <laughs> a safe one. Well, for me, I'm gonna invest three more in Christian to home mix. I'm I'm okay. full in at this point, so I'll make it times four, which is as high as we've gone. But at this point, I'm fully on the hype train. This thing's got all gas, no brakes. Let's just see where this goes. Maybe this will backfire horrendously for me. Okay, and then uh, yeah, I guess switching back here. Where am I gonna go? Where am I gonna go? Oh, well, I, I know mine. I, I know where I'm going. So I'm gonna put two shares into Ranko because I think, you know, you sell on the one center back, but I think now is a good time. I think Ranko is prone for, for a run here the rest of the year where he establishes himself as a, not just a legitimate, but a, but a good MOS center back. I think, I think he's ready to take that step. It, it feels like all the little adjustment processes are kind of out of the way and, and he can really hit the ground running. So I'm, I'm hopeful for that. I think that leaves me with, Let's see. You, we have six, five, four, four actions left. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it right now. Four shares. And I'll type it in in Ryan Gulp. Easy, easy money. I was about <laughs> to drop two. I was waiting for you to be like, okay, you said Ryan. And I'm like, oh, you're going to put Ryan Gold. Huh? Cause I was going to say, I'm going to put, I'll put two in Ryan Gold. I'll, I'll play a bit of, you know, as you see, I'm a very, I like to invest my money in many places. But I was going to say, for every guy who wants to invest in the next Amazon and Apple, there's a reason why stocks like the Dow Jones, you see them every day on the news because they're reliable. And I feel like sometimes it's okay to invest your money in reliable sources. So I think putting two in Ryan Gold for me is a very safe action that one I probably won't regret. So that leaves me with three. So I guess, first of all, do I want to trim any of my, my stocks? I mean, no reason in, getting rid of Hassal because you can't you can go down when he's on the bench. 
You know what? I'll double. I'll add one to Metcalf, which leaves me with two. Because I'm, I'm, I'm all falling on the Metcalf train at this point. I'll gas. No breaks on that. Two on, uh, one on Caicedo as well. And uh, other than that, I mean, I, I, I can't think of what else. I, that looks pretty. That looks pretty tidy. I think. I think that's a good allotment for the time being. And then you know, seven. Gotta... That leaves me with with one. Do I wanna? Do I wanna go for? Do I wanna play with fire a bit, or do I? Do I not wanna get my, my toes burned? You know what? Yeah, no, we'll we'll leave it for now. We'll we'll stick with with where we're at. I like my stock portfolio. Very very diverse. I have a whole one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have like 12, fourteen different stocks. So difficult, I've got my difficult to keep places. track of. We we've definitely taken different strategies. I've completely abandoned the idea of investing just one share in someone. Like you know, we gotta we gotta go all in on these types of things. And I'm I might even slim it down as the season goes on because I I want to either be really right or really wrong, and that's what kind of gets me going. So. We'll be revisiting that, you know, maybe not every match. We'll have to we'll have to see how it goes here. But uh, I like that for this week. And let's finish up at least this portion of the show on a couple of notes that have that have happened over the last month or so, and just you know, general talking points about the caps that we wanted to bring up and hadn't talked about in podcast form. The Whitecaps are back at BC Place on the twenty first. Excited maybe even a little nervous, you know, for what that environment's going to look like. It's, it's been a long, long time. And, uh, and also Alex, we, we got to mention it. Shout out to wings and wizards. The, the wonderful attraction at BC place, which has made all of this, rooms. made all this happen the way it has. I mean, there has to be reasons beyond a ballroom event that apparently tracks tens of people a week. I can't accept that that is the sole reason why the Vancouver Whitecaps didn't return earlier. It's frustrating for someone who who lives here and covers the team and wants to wants to cover these matches in person. But you know things happen the way they do. I'm sure there's a lot of logistics in terms of RSL that had to be sorted out, and it it wasn't easier. Wasn't something the Whitecaps wanted to do to just pack up shop and come home. So. It is what it is in that regard. I mean, I wrote about it. It was it was well publicized online, and certainly you know enough people have slated it already. I don't need to don't need to pile on too too much, but just thought it was worth mentioning since we we hadn't really spoke about it in podcast form since since the news came up. I mean, I I think they got unlucky with the timings. No no home games between the 29th or I guess the 30th and then the, but that, the 21st. That's something they were able to see months out. I'm not, I'm not sure if I really accept that as an excuse. Yes, but you have to remember they don't own their stadiums. They, it's harder for them to get away with this sort of stuff. How, where, how much would it have cost though to buy out that event not, for, I, for a couple nights? It's not even the cost of event. I think it's more, I'm thinking more just maintaining the facility. It's not like you don't have a Stad Saputo just lying around with, that you train on with grass manicured you want a game you snap your fingers toronto and montreal were able to make it happen it sounds like heck i mean shout out to the play-by-play guy blake price who was at bc place i think yesterday sounds like they only put in some turf like in the last day for the lions and the white cap so obviously things move very at a very slow pace at bc place and to be fair from what i remember in past years it kind of seems like you know they're, they're very set in their ways I will, you know, lie a bit of the blame on, on, on Shirley on BC Place being a bit of okay. They're probably like, 
I guess, like, just come on, take your time. We'll do it properly, this and that. Whereas you could tell with Toronto and Montreal, they really wanted to play at home. They forced it, really. They really forced MLS's hand, and they kind of had that. The Whitecaps couldn't have been like, well, we want to join you guys, but we'll maybe have BC Place or not. So maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to go. I actually, I side a bit with the the Whitecaps on this one because it makes a whole world of difference to just have your stadium in your back pocket and be like, well, we have it ready. We're playing there. You have no choice. Whereas the Whitecaps kind of be like, okay, pretty please, BC Place. Can we maybe have your venue? But we might not be sure if we can play yet because the government hasn't allowed us. So we don't want, we want to kick your guys up, but we don't if there, if there's not going to be a game and this and that. So, you know what? It's all this to say, buy your own damn stadium, build your own damn stadium. And these sort of problems won't happen in the future. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, and I think there's merit to that. I just, I, I maybe take issue with the, the fact that the Whitecaps have, yeah, put themselves in this kind of spot. And also, even if you don't own your own stadium, you know, take a more assertive role where you're not getting, you're not getting ousted by, by minor events and, and having these sort of things happen to you. I, I think even if you don't own the stadium, you can, you can take measures to, you know, be treated seriously and, and kind of get treated as the product you are, which is the most major tenant in the building. And uh, it's definitely frustrating, you know, I don't see any reason why the turf can't be installed earlier or things like that. So definitely frustrating from that perspective. But, you know, if if the Whitecaps didn't have time to put it together, then they didn't have time to put it together. It's, It's obvious that the first team staff wanted home matches as soon as possible. So it's it's not for a lack of want in that department. It's. It is down to other factors, and you know, unless you're in those backroom discussions, you don't know exactly what went on. So I won't, I won't profess complete knowledge, but to say that more could have been done, I think is an accurate statement, regardless of what the specifics are. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's certainly it's just frustrating because it's always the white caps being, you know. Le- my, left my, my question is yeah why are the white caps always second best why are they always getting the raw end of the deal at some point you're the common denominator and something's wrong with your organization it's not everyone else's fault yeah no it's it's just like the common denominator is always the white caps and yeah. you know it's it's never it's never it's just it always sucks to have to be like pa- patterns def- are generally a telling thing and 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 when the pattern persists for 10 plus years it's not just a pattern it's it's a culture no it it it, it is it's really you wonder who's who's at the top organizing all this who is who i you know how does stuff always happen where you're triggering Brexit's contract clause for you know mistakenly or this or that mark, or, mark that one on your bingo card yeah mark that one it's always it's the, the it's the darn white caps but uh you know what we'll, we'll we'll take it maybe they can they, maybe this this sort of just nonsense makes them realize you know what maybe the next dp signing we make is a damn stadium so that when ryan gold turns 29 he he has a he has a nice grass surface to to play on on the waterfront and when they host national team games there's a nice scenic view here and this and that but uh yeah it's just the whole the whole bc play situation it's unfortunate on so many levels i mean there's the whole revenue stuff you you know by sharing a stadium you're screwing yourself out of your own revenue this and that then i get there's a whole debate of if you build a new stadium, is it go with taxpayers' money? How much does it cost? Yada yada yada. 
but you know, suffice to say when, when it's in place, it makes a big, big, big difference for a club. And it's really too bad. They missed the wave. Cause I feel like if, if what in 2011, when they expanded, if they had a, a stadium ready, it would have been what, like it would have been dirt cheap for a 25,000 seater grass, et cetera. And now if you tried to make that, that thing would be a 500 million billion plus dollar project. There would be a lot of riffraff, a lot of public protest. There would have to be some private, you know, backing. And yeah, the Whitecaps really dropped the boat on that one, didn't they? It's definitely a missed opportunity. But I want to transition to something positive to finish off the podcast. Something I'm very, very excited about, unlike the Whitecaps stadium prospects. It's the idea of not only getting to witness, you know, and watch this match or just the idea of the matchup, but potentially heading to Vancouver Island to take in Pacific against the Vancouver Whitecaps in the Canadian Championship. I mean, this is something that the moment the CPL became a thing, became a glimmer in someone's eye that this was the dream matchup for West Coast BC professional soccer, and and, and we're going to get it late this month. So absolutely thrilled about that prospect. Slightly concerned about another cavalry situation because Pacific has been buzzing recently in the CPL. You know Mark DeSantis is going to take this seriously because they want to play Champions League. They they want to take a trophy if they can. But uh, Alex, just thoughts on the potential of you know taking in that match as well as the excitement of uh, another CPL MLS crossover. Happy the Canadian Championship is back. It's been be- long enough. We had to wait, boy. And, and so did they just abandon? The... I was going to say, the 2020 final, yeah. play it. Has that ever been resolved, or are they even addressing it? You have it? two weeks to sort this out, because to- it's great. There's no more excuses. Forge is back in a home market. Shout Toronto's out to Soccer Canada for just dropping the ball on this completely. Toronto's back in a home market. Quarantine laws are eased. It's, this is the time to make it happen, I think. Not, I think, yeah, it makes sense because Forge and, and and Toronto both skipped the first round. Play it, just get it done with that. What, whatever, just sell, put it at Tim Hortons, try to get ten thousand tickets. You know, surely they have a solution, right? Because, yeah, I don't know. They've dropped the ball on that. Maybe let's leave twenty twenty behind. It was a bad year on many fronts, so maybe we Canada can be slightly excused on that front. But at the same time, they ended up dropping the ball massively. But. uh it's just nice to to have the tournament back. I mean, I'll continue to toot the horn of this. There should not this year, obviously with the pandemic, but uh, in future years, be more you know VMSL, League Two, League One Ontario, all this stuff in the league, and I'll continue to toot that horn. Yes, as some detractors may forcefully say, money is an issue that needs to be resolved, and I'm sure that comes down to a whole structure issue in Canada soccer that, for the best, may, it might be worth solving, but. As for the, the this year's format, great, great to have a you know good draw, fair draw. Whitecaps didn't do good last time; they got put where you know where they belong, quote unquote, based on past performance. I rate that because you know some all wire. Why is Montreal, Toronto get a bye? The Whitecaps couldn't beat us. Mark CPL Dos team. Santos does not agree with you whatsoever. He went off on this, but I, you I thought lost that... to a CPL team yeah. last time. You, like no you don't excuses. have any say. Yeah, like. 
they did you nice by making you travel away to Pacific. They could have Mark, Mark screwed was, him over, Mark made was, him travel Mark to Mark was talking. A, Mark was talking about how oh we finished above Montreal in the standings in MLS or you something. You had a like chance that. to play them head to head. You finished last. Yeah. yeah. The year before you lost to a CPL team. You're lucky the CSA didn't make you travel away to go play a League One Ontario team or Halifax away. So I think the fact that you only have to do a short ferry ride or a short plane to Victoria is you know is borderline miraculous based on what they, they they went through the other the other years and the only last thing i'll say the fact this isn't two legs is really sad because it would have been nice yeah. to get a bunch of home late home and away for all these series but otherwise single game it just those are almost more fun uh, yeah for these i i think so as as much as a selfish part of me in terms of a a viewer and you know a media member who wants to wants to attend two matches i do think the single match there's oh for there's, drama, there's something special about that and and i like the fact that it's on the island in the smaller more intimate more unique environment i think that just adds something special that you know we can we can rag on bc place a little bit more there's just something bc place doesn't and for whatever you know for for many reasons is never never gonna have and then I went to the first Pacific game that back at West, uh, Starlight to continue to struggle to say that rest in peace West Hills, but uh, Starlight Stadium Pacific looked good. This game is going to be interesting. I mean, Pacific play the best football arguably in the CPL. Are they the best team? They still have some work to do. You know, defending can sometimes be an issue on a good day, but man, the football they play is sparkling. They're going to be a good test for the Whitecaps at home. I think it sounds like the crowd's going to be pretty split. It's actually going to be it's going to be quite the sight to see. It sounds like one one end it's going to be Whitecaps fans, one end it's going to be Pacific fans. It sounds like according to Pacific reps, they've never dealt like with ticket demand like this before for a game. So it sounds like we might be doing a solo. Which first of all, for those who've never been in the stadium, there's a beer garden. Um, like there's a whole stand where you can just it's standing room only. There's a huge stand behind the goal. There's bleachers. It's perfect for this kind of game. So to, to imagine a 4,000 plus person sellout is just, it's making my mouth water. They've got a brand new press box, which is, it's going to be nice for, for those, uh, you know, in the media who are going to cover the game. It's before it wasn't the most ideal media friendly press box. Everything about this is going to be fantastic. Good to see some other great matchups on display. And I'm curious to see the Whitecaps approach, obviously making the playoffs is a goal, but do you say if you got a guy like Ryan Gold healthy, do you dare throw him in in a game against Pacific to try and guarantee a result? Because, yes, you'd like to think you don't need him against to beat a CPL side. A, these CPL teams are a lot better than anyone's ever realized. I think the Whitecaps saw that firsthand in 2019. But also, you win this tournament, you go to Champions League. And just looking at the Whitecaps squad, all these U22 players, all these young players, some of these guys they got, you can tell they're building up a deep squad for to be able to handle a champions league and uh, a lot of central american uh, you know south american players i think that you know the white caps are, are building a team they want to do, do well in champions league so if you're a canadian team the way to get there you've got to win the canadian championship so there's multiple incentives for mark descent just to go all out in this game Hey everyone, Alex here. Just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our partners over at Macy Sports for proudly sponsoring the third sub podcast. Make sure to check out Macy Sports in North Van, located near the Iron Workers Bridge. They've got everything you could ever imagine 
for the, the young soccer or old soccer fan in your family. They got a lot of new drops coming soon, which is very exciting ahead of a new exciting European season in the midst of this MLS season national team. There's a lot to like. And if you mention the third sub, you can get a discount at checkout. And for those wondering about the, the latest third sub giveaway, make sure to check out the latest episode on Twitter or Instagram for the winner of said giveaway. So shout out to Macy Sports for partnering all of that. There's more to come in the future and we'll get right back to the show. All right, everybody. And we're back after a short day away in the real world, but a quick virtual second, obviously on the podcast. We've taken in Ryan Gold's first session as a, a full session as a white cap player. Don't want to be completely inaccurate there. He did train before, but first full session, lots of interesting bits and bobs from that one. I mean, Sam, where do we want to start? There's lots of news, obviously, Gold, some standout performers, some news on the young guy, some news on the white caps MVP. It was a loaded trading session on many fronts. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of that stuff and some, some good you know, juicy news stories there to, to update you guys on. But we'll talk about Gold first, first and foremost. And again, that the final pass is there. The the quality on the ball is there. The comfort on the ball in tight spaces is there. Uh, very encouraging to see. Now, as as you mentioned to me, Alex, and you, I think you mentioned already on Twitter, the, the fitness, the the overall match sharpness, you can tell is still is still lacking. He's not quite where he wants to be all the time when he does get on the ball it's terrific but i think just that that engine that motor you know you got to get it in high gear you got to get it running and high intensity training sessions day after day is the best way to do that he's he's not gotten into that rhythm yet so i can understand why mark wants to be cautious about the timeline don't think we're expecting a full 90 from him on on the weekend I think maybe best case scenario, he makes a, a cameo appearance off the bench. But even that, I wouldn't be shocked if they, they wait a little bit and integrate him slowly into the squad. So, yeah, Alex, I'll kick it to you for, for your thoughts on, on Ryan so far. Yeah, I mean, you can see the quality. He's had a few flashes, say, in the small side drills where he'd just get the ball into his left foot and he'd rip it. And you could kind of see what he, what he has at that. You know, he's obviously left-footed. You can see what he has in that. Uh, you could see some of the vision, some of the attempted passes, back heels, but then you could, you could kind of see the rust at the same time, some missed passes that maybe in a week or two from now he's not missing. You know, just a bit of fitness. You could tell by the end of the session that it, uh, it, it had taken a toll on him and that he'd, you know, he's going to need to recuperate and move on and, and work up to, to his fitness. And I think that's his expected Portuguese season ended end of May, early June. So he really hasn't touched the field in two months because obviously he didn't play for Scotland. And because of that, it, it takes some time. He's, he's training with guys who are all up to full speed and he's really going to play catch up. But I don't think that should take too long. I think ideally you'd take your time with him anyways, because if anything, it would be kind of fitting if he makes his first start in the return to BC play. So maybe that's a target to have and you, you try to get him 10 15 minutes against the galaxy you know 20 30 minutes the week after and then really ease him and then get him in ready for a start in uh, i guess two or three weeks that would be uh, now i guess two and a bit weeks from now when they play lafc at home i think that's a fair plan because obviously talent is there i think he'll be able to make an impact off the bench as soon as this weekend but you just you, you know 
purely obviously you, you don't want to rush him in from injury standpoint, but even just there's there's no need at this point. The better uh, you, you, the more time you give him to get up to speed, I think it'll pay off, especially if you can get him fully fit for this this run at home, whether there's not going to be as much travel for him to deal with as, as he acclimatizes to all that. So, I mean, for for Gold, as expected, but still uh, he's working on an extended timeline here. Yeah, I think that summarizes it pretty well. Well, from the from the new addition to someone who's been the Whitecaps' best player so far this year, and Christian Dahomey, we didn't get to see him today at training because he was not in the pitch. Uh, did appear from the gym in running shoes at the training facility and and looked just fine, but sounds like he's still nursing whatever whatever that knee or leg issue was from the match this past weekend reports are saying day to day. So, you know, whatever that means, I I would suspect he's available this weekend, but it sounds like they've got something that he's managing a little bit and not wanting to push it with a, with a busy slate of games and a player they're going to continue to rely upon. I can, I can understand why you take the cautious approach. Yeah. I think they're certainly taking their time. No damage in the knee sounds like as per the, the scans and all that. So Nothing to really worry about there, but just more easing him in. Typically, these early week sessions, they do, you know, a little more intense work than you than usual. You do a lot of small sided stuff today, some full sided stuff. There was a lot of running. There was a lot of ground covered. And maybe that's not the, the wisest thing to ease someone back into. That's why we didn't see Andy Rose either. who's was de- dealing with a, a similar knock. So I'm not that surprised, I guess. That he's not, if he's not ready, that doesn't rule him out of the, the weekend, say, because they still have a Thursday session, a Friday session. They travel Saturday. I think the Friday session might be a good target for him. Maybe if he does well there, he can either start or come off the bench uh, on the weekend. But, you know, usually those Friday sessions tend to be a little more tactical anyways, and that might be a good way to, to ease him ease him in, maybe give him a, a, a quick dip into the toe or a tip into the water on Thursday. Then you, 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 you give him a full session Friday and then he's ready for some capacity in the weekend. But uh, I guess if not, it'd be interesting to see what the plan is to replace him. Obviously Gold could play on the wing. He's an option to play there, but he's obviously not fit. So that won't happen. Do you see a start from Cameron Habibula? Who knows? He's the only natural, you know, winger, winger. But a guy like Ryan Raposo did have his moments in training and was playing on the wing. To St. Ricketts also played on the wing. He's those two are options. If not, you could even see something like I know it's experimental, but you might see something like uh, Cavallini shifting out to kind of an inside forward spot where he's on the wing, but he just he cuts in and plays with a guy like Brian White. There are options for for Mark DeSantos to to work with because. Obviously, you want to get Nahome on the field. He's been your best player. He's been your MVP. But at the same time, you gotta you gotta manage him because these sort of injuries can kind of drag on these ligaments, these you know tricky tricky injuries. So hopefully, all is well on that front. But I'm not too worried at the moment. Yeah, with a guy like Daho, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay positive until I see him not out there on the pitch. I have to think this is ramping up for the weekend and trying to do things in the right way and. Doesn't seem like a guy that's very easy to keep off the pitch. But moving down the list of topics here, I mean, you mentioned Andy already, who, again, is kind of that day-to-day status at the moment. And that brings up one of the center backs on the roster as well as a young striker on the roster, two guys who didn't participate in practice today in Theo Bear and Gianfranco Facinari. And we were, we were sitting there wondering why, especially – in the light of a of an FC Tigers versus Vancouver Whitecaps under 23 match this weekend, where maybe those guys 
would have been eligible or, you know, would have been guys that could have slotted in if they're looking for playing time. They were held out, not necessarily for coaching reasons, but more for don't want to get them injured reasons, which usually only means one thing, which is a move is, is in the cards, not necessarily a permanent one, but it looks likely now that both John Franco Facinari and Theo Bear headed out on loan. Uh, Alex, thoughts? Thoughts on destinations, maybe, because uh, that's always fun to speculate. Yeah, oh boy. I mean, there's there's a lot to, to, to ponder there. I mean, first of all, for the U23 games, it'd be nice for them to get any sort of minutes. I don't think that'd be very, I, I just don't think they, I think they've cut their stripes at that level. I think uh, it seems, example, seems like it's not going to happen for them anyways, because I don't know if they're going to be here for that. Yeah, no, I don't think they'll be here, but I'll, I certainly they both graduated from the U23 team for a reason. I think Bear graduated to the first team in 2019 for a reason. Did it with Facinari heading out on loan to CPL last year with what he showed in a pro league as a center back, as a 17 year old. I have full confidence that he, can do a shift, uh, you know, heck, I, I think he'd not, he wouldn't necessarily be ready for MLS, but if he were to be thrown in because of injuries, I'd have confidence he could do a job for a game or two. He, I think the white caps, it's really too bad. They haven't been able to find a way to integrate these two in, but I think this at the same time is an exciting opportunity because, and one, if I may preface should have happened months earlier, because if they don't trust them to play here, just get the minute somewhere. And I think because of the timing of the loan, I think it's going to be interesting to see where teams go because, you know, it would have been nice to get them to the CPL before the bubble had they been playing. I think looking at Facinieri, just how young he is and how some managers are in the CPL are always looking for center backs and they don't mind playing young center backs. And he played in the CPL last year. I think Facinieri would have been an easy shout for the CPL. And I think that's probably his number one destination. The nice thing with Facinieri is I'm pretty sure he has a, a European passport. He is 18, so that isn't relevant anymore because obviously you cannot head to Europe before 18 unless you have a passport, but that always facilitates those sorts of moves. So I think it does, I, you know, from what from what our conversation was like, it sounds like the, these players are, are heading on more of a facile type loan where it's something for them both in the short term and the long term. So I think for Facinieri, CPL is a very, you know, possibility, but I also think because of his passport, there will be some teams in Europe that are looking at him. And obviously we don't know the destinations for, for either of them, but uh, I have to imagine if I had to guess one, say second division Italian club, one CPL club, and they'll have decided between that. Um, the nice thing about Europe is that their season is starting now. So you can kind of throw them in now on a loan and they're not, playing catch up trying to trying to get into a squad they can kind of start fresh and 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 play and then for for Theo I'd say similar I think uh he could do a shift in the CPL I mean he's shown you know he's shown more at the MLS level than Facinari so I think he might have a a little more value to a European club say he could even arguably break into a first team Uh, I think this could be like a Cornelius-esque alone more than a a Pasil one where you kind of go to a, a Greek side you go to a you know, it's maybe somewhere in, in Scandinavia, somewhere in the Mediterranean, one of those, you know, in Estonia, for example, uh, you know, you could go to a Finland, one, one of those, those kind of those leagues where it's a bit outside that top 10 uh, in terms of, of league coefficients. But you go to Europe, he's proven himself a bit in MLS, a team there will be willing to put him in, his, in their first team. If not, I'm sure, again, CPL teams will ask, he's Canadian, he's young, 
Uh, he, he's, he has a national team cap. It's a very marketable, very good player. So I think in both cases, they'll, they'll, they both will have to choose between CPL or they will, sorry, will have chosen between CPL and Europe. And I, but I just think for Theo, it's more of a first team opportunity in a, in a, in a different league. Whereas a guy like Facinari might be more of a youth team loan, kind of like Pasil. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And obviously their, their destinations will sort of reflect that accordingly. I mean, selfishly, you'd love to see them both in the CPL because that's a, that's a, you know, an easy platform for us to continue to watch them and, and support their development. Uh, obviously going overseas, you know, it makes it a little more challenging, but might be a really good move for those guys. So something to watch out for. I'm just going to be very, very happy if they both get meaningful minutes and playing time on a regular basis, because it's been, it's been far too long. And, you know, a couple of preseason matchups just don't suffice. These guys in crucial development years need to be playing. There's opportunities out there now. It's not like it was a year ago where a lot of developmental leagues had stopped or were in this limbo. People are back up and playing. And so you gotta you gotta take advantage of that at, at these crucial age groups. And it's nice to see that both of them are are potentially getting an opportunity because even if they don't end up being bright prospects for the white caps, they're, they're going to do some pretty interesting things somewhere. So it's kind of cool to see that journey about to start. Exactly. It's always nice to see youngsters get opportunities like this. They deserve a chance like this, and it's not going to come with Vancouver, at least send them out on loan. It seems to be good things happen to, to most white caps that head out on loan recently. David Egbo is looking decent in the USL guy like Yasser Kamiri is uh, finally playing and, and doing things again. Uh, obviously, Pasil is about to start his Venezia journey, which is quite exciting. Other, some of the other guys, I mean, maybe someone like Simon Coline, which again, we did get an update on him. Obviously, he did uh, sounds like decent at Spal, but obviously, two sides weren't able to work anything out. Sounds like he's training again at PSV Eindhoven or trialing, which he did trial before he went to, to Spal, if I'm not mistaken. He's under Whitecaps contract. Doesn't sound like he'll be back in the Whitecaps. Sure, it sounds like he's going to pursue a European opportunity. So who knows if he'll stick with PSV, probably their youth side. Uh, I'd have to imagine he's still only 18, which is wild to think after all he's been through. But uh, just throwing that out there as well, it sounds like some sort of loan or, 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 or transfers in the works also for Coline. So just exciting on all fronts that some young guys who aren't in the, you know, in the fold are, are, are going to find new solutions to, to find them to help them play soon. Yeah, and it's interesting with Coline because I, I'd almost kind of put him in the, the more Derek Cornelius category where I don't anticipate or have much hope that he's going to return and play in a white cap shirt. Whereas Fachinari certainly and Theo Bear still to some extent, I think there's a there's a chance that if you go out and loan and and do well and the opportunity presents itself in the squad, maybe it's something where you come back and have another look. Whereas for for Coline, I don't think his his interest level is very high in coming back here. And I mean, it depends on how Derek's extended loan goes, but I have to imagine if he has some success, he's enjoying his football over there that they'd look for other opportunities long term. Yeah, no, it's certainly it's a case. It's case by case. I think, yeah, with Coline, it just it doesn't seem like he's coming back to the white caps. It's been always a strange relationship, to say the least, between him and the club and it's too bad because he's a really talented player, but I think it's good that he's testing himself in Europe and hopefully he can find an opportunity that allows him to, to stick because he's a promising player. But maybe moving down the rest of our 
training updates or any other notes we, we want to touch on from this uh this wednesday training session i mean lucas cavallini looks like the main man out there again i i added some praise earlier on the show about how he looked monday and then continued to be really sharp when he gets to play short passes in tight spaces he's actually exceptional at those balls it's just when you're asking him to track back 25, 30 yards and then play long balls out to wingers and build up, it doesn't really work the same way, but he's looked like a man possessed since coming back from Canada, fresh, motivated, sharp rate, ready to go. I'm, I'm super excited about having Cava back in the fold and, and what he can do. Cause you know, Brian White's been admirable in that position at times. It's been, it's been a struggle at others, but you can't, fault Cava's work rate to start the press his you know little details and things like that and yeah I don't know I, I don't know if that's the Cava I've seen this year in matches he's just he looks sharper he looks more focused I'm I'm, I'm very I'm eagerly anticipating what he's going to look like this weekend because if it's anything like training I'm I'm ready to go yeah it's exciting I think Cavallini maybe it's the the, the fact they finally signed him a number 10 as he's even asked maybe for, yeah He's just, he seems like a man possessed. I just, I think of in the little small side training drills, he was everything, you know, everywhere getting shots off, trying to create separation. Even his holdup play looked so much sharper than it tends to do in, in games. He was bringing down the ball nicely, playing some good one-twos, spraying the ball around. It was just, it was nice to see. He looked like a little more confident, obviously playing for Canada clearly helped him. And I think it's going to be good for him here. I mean, <laughs> the only complaint I'd have say is his shooting can still be a bit wayward at times in training. He is, he gets into good positions and he just slashes at it a bit too hard. It's like, I know Cavallini really likes to, to put his boot through it. I am, I am of that same school, but sometimes just gotta, you know, gotta hit the target. Gotta, gotta find a way through. But at the same time, I saw him score some right foot goals, left foot goals, tight angles, headers looking like Cavallini of old. And what I liked most is despite playing all these mitts at the gold cup, despite being the, the, you know, I guess second highest paid player on the team now, you know, despite having every reason to, to have to, as soon as the session, you know, is over, most guys head out and could have gone home. Cavallini was the last outfield player on the pitch competing against Ricardo Clark, competing against Max Crepo, just taking shots, taking shots. And then at a certain point, Ricardo Clark had to be like, okay, Cava, get off the field. We don't want you don't want, we don't want you to get injured. Like stop, you save your muscles. Cause you know, as it shows, Cavallini seems to be loving the game right now. And that's good to, to see for the Whitecaps. So he's nice when you're one of your most important players has got that hunger. He's got that fire. He spent time after training, just working on his left foot finishing, right foot finishing, inside the box, penalties, outside the box. And that's just that sort of desire you want to see from a, a player like that. So, you know what, Cavallini, if he keeps up this attitude, this form into into the games this is good because sometimes in games he's painted a frustrated figure a guy who who looks like he's carrying the weight on his shoulders and certainly if he can find a way to do whatever good vibes he's got at training now and translate it in the games I, I'm scared to imagine what he can do on the field I think that we could finally start to see that that El Tanque that people have, have talked about that you know maybe see him pick up a brace on Sunday and just you know really set the world on notice like hey Cavallini is still here we everyone's talking about the home everyone's talking about gold everyone's talking about crepo but Cavallini's still here yeah um just kind of looking through the the proverbial notebook I'm thinking of other guys who are bright at training and you know I want to give a shout out to Pat Metcalf once again one of those guys that stays late as well and working on his touches and 
just continues to be a, a rock solid professional. You know, it, I think he's come a long way in terms of maturity over the last year or so, where he just got that little extra level of confidence and swagger, which I think serves him really well. He, it's, it's no longer a situation of trying to act like a pro and, and, and fit into the group. It's he's a professional footballer and he, he looks like it out there. And I think that there's something switched in that mentality and I'd be excited to see him get in and it's probably still going to be in spot duty, you know, it's unlikely to get a ton of, a ton of stints in the starting position, but I think he can make a lot with those substitute appearances. And then on the negative side, I guess, Cam Habibula kind of in and out of the training session. I don't know if that's down to coaching, if that's down to a little niggling injury, but he, he just seems to struggle a little bit to get involved right now and not necessarily buzzing the way he was in the preseason. So for those Cam fans out there, we get a lot of questions asking, where is he? Why isn't he starting? How is he doing? Just seems to be on the fringes of the squad. Alex, you put it, I think, perfectly in your tweet earlier. So that's one where you hope he doesn't get banished to the abyss, never to be seen again. You do hope that Cam can find his way into a consistent sub role, but these are, these are young guys, right? And there's, there's going to be these kinds of growing pains along the way. And you just, you have to be patient. Yeah. And I mean, for Cam, one thing I'll point out, I'm very curious to see if he gets, cause he's obviously not been making the squad as of late, even with Cava, Crepo, Gold, obviously all those guys weren't in the fold with all of them back. I think it'll be telling what they do with him this weekend. As mentioned, they play a U23 friendly. Uh, he's shown to dominate that level before. So I don't know if he has much to prove there, but maybe we see him stay back in Vancouver to get a bit of confidence now that they're, they're training. Cause obviously they'd brought him to Utah and they weren't going to send him back halfway through the Utah experience. They'd committed it to keeping him through Utah. He'd earned a first team contract, but now the beauty of returning home is, is you have flexibility. Maybe if you're not, you know, you're not going to bring him in the match day squad. You can leave him at home, allow him to play a game, get his confidence back. Cause for me, it's a player just needs confidence. I think there was one where he, he got into a one-on-one with Jake Nowinski and he tried to cut in Jake Nowinski made a phenomenal block. You could tell it was just getting him because in that in his head in preseason, he scores that. He was that confident and in his head, he's thinking, oh, am I fast enough? Am I good enough? So I think he just needs a few of those moments where he remembers he's a phenomenal player who who has the talents to take on anyone he wants and and kind of you know have the ball be at his, his mercy. So for me, I, I just see a player that's, for him, it's more confidence issue. It's not an injury. Cause some were wondering, he seems fit. He's, he gets integrated in training, but he's kind of just hitting a wall. And I think that's fine. I think as long as he finds minutes and the U 23s is a big part of that. And then I think with him, the reason he's not heading out on loan, it's not like a field bear who's 21 or 22, a guy like Fetchner is already 18, 19. It's where that you need to, they're at a like premium for minutes. Cameron Abibul is still young. If he's still getting some burn here and there with the U 23s and working up, he I think by next year, you see what the Whitecaps want for him. If they don't think he's ready, I think they send him out on a loan in January, have him do a full season on loan, or you keep him around and make him a starter or a, a more of a squad player. I just think he's found himself in a bit of an interesting position. I don't think the Utah experience helped him because he was kind of stuck in limbo. You're not going to send him home, quarantine this or that. You need him in case of injuries. But now I think the fact you're back home, you can have him go train with the 23s. It's nice to see. Yeah, and just uh, emptying the the notes from me, I thought Ranko continued on his positive showing from last weekend and looked really, really comfortable on the ball as well at training and those 
those small area games and sent a few guys flying at times with his little, you know, he was, he was dribbling around the edge of the box. It was impressive to see. So uh, happy to see Ranko feeling it at training again. Eric Godoy looked good too. I, I think that, you know, for him, health is always an issue. So I'm always watching when he's on the field, make sure he's not managing anything. Hopefully Eric's at full fitness this weekend as well. But yeah, before we, we sign off here and kick it to a couple interviews, Alex, any final thoughts from the training session we witnessed earlier today? Yeah, for the most part, I think everyone performed close to the standard they're used to. I thought Brian White, just shout out to him. I thought he had a decent session. Uh, he showed some skills, you know, some good to see from him because obviously there'd been a lot of talk of, of, of him. You know, he trained well today. It's always nice to see. Otherwise, I'd say some standard fare. Worth noting that there was actually a uh, a new face at training day, Christian Campania, older brother of Matteo Campania, the young 16-year-old who was signed to the Whitecaps. Christian, is he can play center back, and I think it's going to be important to monitor him the next few weeks just because with Facinari heading out, there's actually only – there's four center backs on the roster, but one of them is the 16-year-old Campania, and I don't think as much as Mark DeSantos rates him, if he wasn't going to play Facinari, who I think is a lot more ready than, and than Campania is, I don't think it's maybe the smartest move. So obviously there's some talk. He might bring in a veteran center back. That's something Mark hinted to me a month ago they were working on. So maybe we see something there, but Campania is interesting to see. He's currently coming off his freshman year in college uh, where he was an all American and all academic. So he, he obviously highly rated worth noting. He actually traded, trained with the Canadian men's national team in July at the gold cup. So obviously highly rated in those circles. Um, so for a, t- a white caps team needing a center back, uh, I could see, I think he's companion is either 19 or 20, if I'm not mistaken. So he's not that old, not that young. Uh, I think he had some decent moments at training today. You can maybe, uh, you know, on the ball, there's still some work to be done. He is a center back. It, you know, at, at first you could tell he's just getting used to, to getting some touches, uh, his shots off. So I think he could be a piece to watch. I think maybe he gets some minutes with the U23s and they kind of use that as an evaluation to see, okay, do we keep him around? Because, hey, if he's getting national team interest while still playing in college, or obviously it shows the kind of how, how highly rated he is in some circles. So I just want to point that out and that he might be someone that within a few weeks we see him maybe forego college and sign a pro contract or play with the U23s or, you know, maybe he ends up returning to college and this was all just seeing him trying out some of his options but just want to point that out yeah well, the, the center back depth situation is going to be interesting for sure because you have to feel like they're they're going to do something there they can't just stand pat because if if you have an injury go down then you're only you're only one other moment away from a 16 year old being thrown into the lineup and that's likely a situation no matter how much confidence you have in the player that you want to avoid but without further delay here let's kick it to a couple interviews that i did not this week at training but the week prior and it turns out it was really good timing because a couple of these guys are about to head out on loan so first we spoke with or i spoke with theo bear then uh patrick metcalf and john franco Facinari. just a quick check in with each of them see how they were doing so far this year just check in on some of the you know the key moments they've had because we don't get to hear from these guys a lot they're they're not playing a ton. And so they're not going to get, you know, trotted up for the zoom call understandably, but it's, it's nice to check in with these guys and see how they're feeling about their role and how feel they're feeling about their playing time. And I think some, some interesting, insightful comments by each of them. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Just wanted to check in with some of the younger guys you don't hear as much from and, uh, 
I guess we'll circle all the way back to Canada under 23 camp. It kind of felt like a bit of a, a bit of a coming out party for you. Played really well, had yeah. a big role. Um, you know, some chemistry in the midfield with Baldy. How did that kind of? Do you feel like you've been able to carry some of that into your your stuff with the Whitecaps now? Because it felt like kind of a a moment for you to take a step forward. Yeah, definitely. That was my first time with the national team program, so I was happy to get called into an event such as the U23 qualifiers. But I was happy with my performance. I think the team overall happy with how we did, but obviously we didn't make make the cut. But I think there's a lot of good performances from a lot of players. But yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence going into preseason, having that. I guess it kind of a little bit of a breakout for me, which was yeah. I, I needed, kind of needed to have. So, give me a lot of confidence coming into preseason. If my head held high, um, it felt good going into the season with that under my belt. And looking at the white caps, you've had you've gotten a little more time in substitute appearances. Some big moments like coming in against Seattle, trying to see out that result. Mark was pretty complimentary of your your calmness, your focus in those matches. Uh, what do you think you've been able to do in those opportunities so far this year? Yeah, I know Mark speaks about it all the time with us younger players that once once we get our moment, we have to take it. We have to when we do get on the field, is help the team get the three points in any way as possible. So coming into those games, it's those pressure scenarios coming in those late games, sealing out the win. But we just stay calm and know that you know you, all your teammates are there to help you, and you're there to help your teammates. So that's what you have to be thinking of first and foremost. And then in terms of your best role, I think maybe some people out there would say you're like an out-and-out number six, but then you see at the under-23s you're able to play a more box-to-box role, and Baldy sometimes kind of plays that like not super traditional deep-line midfielder. So what do you feel like your best role is, and then maybe how does that work and fit in this team? Yeah, no, I think for me my preferred role is anywhere in the midfield where I can play first and foremost, but... You know, uh, I think being a box-to-box midfielder is where I see myself. Um, like I have good defensive characteristics, and I've, I want to continue to improve my offensive characteristics. But playing an eight, that box-to-box, and I think in the Olympics, me and Baldy complemented each other quite well because we've been playing together for a long time. So I know his strengths, I know his weaknesses, and where he likes to be, where he likes to get on the ball, and so does he. So. And then looking forward the rest of the year, what are your, what can you kind of look forward to? What are the goals for? what you can get out of the rest of the season. Yeah, it's just continuing to work hard and to get as many wins as possible. And that starts from training and being focused from 8.15 when we come in until like 3 o'clock when we leave. So just hard work. That's it. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate appreciate it. it. Yeah, so same thing as Sam, by the way. Nice to meet you. Frankie, how are you? Uh, just checking in with some of the younger guys we don't hear as much from, especially yeah. now we're back in person. For sure. I guess first and foremost, you know, what is it like coming back to Vancouver? And what was the experience like? You were in the CPL bubble last year, yeah. but the whole RSL setup, how was that experience and how does it feel to be back? I mean, you know, I think I speak for all of us when I say it's awesome being back. It's really, really nice being back home, you know, comfortable. We can all, you know, it's just even nicer for us to go home after training in our own apartments, our own homes, and just, you know, feel comfortable. Um, you know, it's great being back, seeing the rest of the staff that, you know, didn't travel with us to uh, Salt Lake City. Um, oh, the experience at Salt Lake City was good. Um, you know, for all of us, we got some really good, uh, all of us young guys got some really good time training with the first team um, and being around being around the older guys and learning from them and kind of being in that environment. Um, you know, we only had, only had each other to kind of really talk to, so it was good. Um, yeah, it was a good experience. And so looking back to that, uh, the CPL bubble last year, yeah. you're, you're able to play some games, you got in a few preseason games this time out but is it, is it challenging to 
stay a top level when you're not getting matches week in, week out? How do you deal with that? Uh, for me, it's not challenging at all. Um, I've always been somebody that uh, really enjoys working hard. I mean, of course, as a footballer, you want to play games, um, and you need to play games. Um, but, I mean, for me, what I do, you know, I I'm work with a strength and conditioning coach all the time, you know, physically fit, um, you know, doing extra work in the gym, doing extra work in the field afterwards, um, extra work before. So you should keep your body right, you keep your mind right, um, then you're, you're kind of just ready at any moment uh, if that's what you do, and that's what I've kind of focused on throughout this time. That's great. And then at the center back position, there's been a little bit of movement this year. You had Yasser out on loan, mm -hmm. now Derek out on loan as yeah. well. Uh, I mean, what were you able to learn from those guys, and, and what does that mean to have, you know, the, the depth chart change a little bit? Um, you know, for what that means, that's not really my call. Uh, it has really nothing to do with me, what that means. Um, but no, it's, it's been really great, you know, learning from, you know, Andy and, you know, and really picking his brain. He's somebody I've really kind of, you know, kind of looked to look up to and kind of, you know, pick his brain. He's had a great career, and, you know, he's just full of knowledge of the game. Um, and he's always really, really helpful, so... You know, it's been a great deal for me to be able to you know talk to him and you know Jake and the guys that are you know really established and um, and know a lot so that's been that's been really really good and they've been you know you know welcomed me all my questions with open arms and they've been really really great and it's been been a real pleasure to actually get to learn from them and was there any consideration of you going back on a loan to the CPL this year or was it the plan always to stay here and train and stay with the white Cats? Uh, the the plans honestly never really communicated to me so I, I don't really know okay. what the plan is yeah so that's, that's just something that happened. Like, what was the process like last year then that led to you uh, going process, to Ottawa? Um, honestly, I, I can't, even, can't even really, really remember. Um, I just know that it was an offer that came up, and the boys were about to head to Orlando. Um, and there were some concerns about, you know, the training environment and how that would look because of the quick succession of games. Um, so, you know, it was a good little stint to get, you know, some, some minutes. Um, you know, it was just a little less than a year ago now, right? So yeah. those were my last games. Um, and I think the kind of the whole concept was to kind of just go and get games and try and, uh, you know, try and get your body game fit. Um, and, you know, it was a really good experience and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, getting games when a year ago, I, I think I can speak for a lot of the other younger kids where I've gotten games a lot more recently than they have, games for three points, meaningful games. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good experience, and I honestly couldn't even quite remember exactly how it came about. But yeah. okay, and well, speaking of those meaningful games, do you you look at the return of the Canadian Championship as a possible <laughs> opportunity to get in and you know play for those three points once again? Yeah, like, as I said, that, that has nothing to do with me. It's not up to me. So but that's what you were. We'll see for, any right? any you know any opportunity that comes up, I would you know relish any opportunity and be beyond grateful for any opportunity that comes up. But ultimately, that's not my decision. My uh, my job is to stay here, put my head down in training, work hard, and continue to get better every day. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Sounds appreciate good, man. It. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Theo. Uh, I guess first and foremost, just how does it feel to be back in Vancouver? It's been a bit of a while, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Everyone knows that our facility is the best around. And coming back here and being home and just playing on this grass again, clean Vancouver air is amazing. Yeah, so I guess just, you know, looking at the last stretch of matches, Cav is away with the national team. Brian White's come in. There's been some movement. David Egbo went out on loan. How have you kind of evaluated the competition at the striker position and your role so far this year? I mean, there's always going to be competition no matter where I am. So, uh, yeah, that, that's basically all I can say. I got to I gotta work for the minutes that I want to get. Yeah, and what's that, what's that been like at training recently, like especially with Brian coming in? What were the conversations you had with Mark? What was he telling you he was looking for at training to maybe earn some money? I mean, just what any striker 
would want to do, hold up the ball, co- uh, connect with the team, score goals. Um, I haven't had too too many conversations with him, but uh, I'm, I'm working hard, and I think I'm doing well in training. And what do you feel like is your, your best role as a striker? Like, do you offer a lot through – Mark said that you could maybe offer a lot through hold-up and build-up play, and that, yeah. that was a strength for you. Do, you. do you agree with that assessment? you think that's a part of your game you've kind of worked on and built on? Yeah, I think it's something that I'm, I'm decent at, but I think I can definitely get better. I think I also offer uh, runs in behind because that's what, what I've done my whole life. I, I'm a fast player and I, I want to score, so the faster I can get to the net, the better. So um, I think there's a couple ways I could offer uh, good things to the team. Cool. Um, we saw you with the Canadian under-23s trying to qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. Have you watched the women at all? And I know there's some Whitecaps products on that yeah. team. What have you thought so far? I mean, they're... They made it to the next round, so uh, I'm proud of them all. Uh, Julia Grosso started uh, the last game, not the one that just played, but the one before that, and I was, I was proud to see her play um, in the Olympics. It's an amazing opportunity for her, and I hope that it just keeps getting better. Yeah, last one, a bit of a random one, but Mark Anthony K on the yeah. move this morning to Colorado. Obviously a guy you know. Uh, yeah. Thoughts on that and thoughts on seeing him on a new team, and, you know, you'll probably – I don't know when the next Rapids match is, but you'll, yeah. you'll be facing him at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see him in... Uh, I'm so used to seeing him in the black and gold, yeah. so it's going to be a little different, but uh, I'm happy for him uh, if it's a move that he wanted, and I, I hope that it works out. Actually, one more, yeah, uh, especially sure. because of, like, Io's injury and then uh, and then what happened to Kyle Laren as well, there was a need for someone to come in as depth for the Canadian men's national team. I know you, you've had roles with the team before, attended camps. Were there any discussions about you potentially joining the squad? Uh, not not too many. People whispered it into my ear a little bit, yeah. but uh, nothing nothing crazy. Um, if, I, if they did call me in, I would have been ready. All right, awesome. Thank, Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. See you. Welcome back. Thank you. All right, well, those were my conversations with uh, Theo Bear. Patrick Metcalf and Gianfranco Faccineri. I, I hope you enjoyed that. And I, I hope you guys are, you know, following along their progress wherever they end up going out on loan. But Alex, before we sign off here, any any general Whitecaps thoughts and musings we didn't get off our chest? I think that's pretty uh, all like, comprehensive, all encompassing. So thanks for for listening, everyone. For those who like you know, more Whitecaps chatter, we're obviously going to have a lot more now with games coming thick and thin, games in person, et cetera, et cetera. So stay tuned for that. We're also going to do some more Canada uh, coverage. We've got some, you know, obviously the gold medal game and the women's to, to talk about the gold cup, you know, even in our next show, we'll have some special audio for you guys, uh, you know, with, with, with a player that was involved in, in one of the national teams. So lots, lots of good content coming in that area. And then obviously more white cap stuff, even maybe a bit of CPL there, I say it. So just thanks for everyone for listening. I know it's been a while, but we're going to be back with some more regularity now that we don't have a live show every 24 hours, or at least it felt like that way at times. So just just thanks for that. And I guess on that note, really, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Conguiris. I got BTS Fan City, btsfancity.com, and I'll catch you again in the next episode. But I'll throw it to Sam for the outro. Yeah, I mean, don't forget to check out the live shows as well as the podcast. We're obviously going to be back this weekend to to get ready for the Whitecaps on Sunday, but also Canadian content coming your way as well as we kind of catch up on a very busy summer here. But you can find me on Twitter at Samuel underscore rowboat at 86forever.com. You can find our podcast at Third Sub Pod on Twitter, the Third Sub on Instagram, and 86 Forever YouTube for those live shows. 
Thanks everyone so much for listening. It's been a while. Thank you for being patient. We're glad to be back in podcast form and we'll catch you all again soon.